Welcome to Critopocalypse no. 147. We You're have entered welcome. a new age. We're in a new world. Piss off. We have finally escaped the clutches of demonic evil entities that somehow sunk into politics. And we're now moving into a no, brighter... No, we've still, still got the Tories there. Oh, shit, no, this is no, an British. Oh, yeah. damn it! Well, we were so close. And how are you doing today? Mm. You got you ordered some new glasses. Yeah, they were, I can't get them for another week and a half. Okay, but you ordered some new glasses. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Why? Specifically on the podcast. Why? You went for a set of glasses. Why? Named specifically after a Super Sentai character. Series. Series. Yeah. So, specifically, there is a series of Super Sentai that someone has produced a set of glasses for. What are they? Are they just like... Uh, I don't, I've got the Flashman glasses and the Five-Man glasses. I don't dare to ask this in a condescending way, but... I watched Five-Man, it's good. I don't dare ask this in a condescending way, but I must ask, for our audience, for my own sanity, are they just regular glasses? Yeah. Oh, right. So why are they... What's What makes them... Because spe- someone working at Specsavers probably knows copyright law well enough to know he can get away with calling them that. Okay. He didn't pick any series that were after when Power Rangers took over. He picked all loads of series that were before that. Mm. So he probably knows there's no international license on the names for those for merchandise. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you can't, probably can't trademark the word Sentai because it's a just it's just like Japanese teacher. word. Squadron. Squadron. Mm. But, okay. you know. But yeah, so that's, that's something you've done. I overthrew an entire government, but less on that because... They didn't. I mean, I tried. You haven't, you've been playing Just Calls this week. <laughs> Good man. Well done. Well done. Witticisms. Witticisms. Has there been any news? There's been no news at all. Black Widow's been moved back. Mandalorian's back. Um, I want to quickly talk about Mandalorian, but not review it. I'm just going to quickly talk about Mandalorian. Mando! You can't talk about anything quickly. I really like Mandalorian. You haven't watched any of it, have you? No. You refuse to borrow my Disney account. I can't, I can't be asked. I've got too much stuff to watch. Okay. Well, Mandalorian's back. I'm going to have a Mandalorian minute right now. I'm just going to quickly talk okay. about Mandalorian. Min- Mandalorian minute, yeah. Mandalorian Starting minute. now. No, oh, no, it's free. Okay, well, Mandalorian's back, and he's pretty much the same as he was before. There's some new stuff, like they've got um, they've got Thingy's armour, uh, Boba Fett's armour. Like, it was bought from a bunch of sand people by... By uh, by the gunslinger himself, old uh, Timothy Oliphant, and then in the other series there were like spidery monsters, like the ones from that you know that that Lost in Space movie they made with Gary Oldman. Oh, Matt LeBlanc. Yes, the spidery and, um, monsters. Lacey Chabert. Yeah, um, those yeah. spidery monsters. And there's Mimi Rogers. Yeah, um, there's like spidery monsters on the planet, and, and it's very William. Hurt. Yeah, it's yeah. Really um, there's Spider Monster on a planet, and he has to fight him off. And there's also oh, the kid from Malcolm in the Middle. Was he one of the kids? Not Frankie Muniz. No, it was one of the. No, no, it wasn't. He looks like him though. Yeah, I can't um, remember. But yeah, so basically, he lands on a planet, ice planet, loads of ice spiders, and it was just really nice, interesting, like a monstery. There's a great scene in which he's like kicking him and punching him as zapping him. And your time is up. So yeah, so uh, other than that, not really much news going on, is there? Xbox One X and the uh, no, sorry, Xbox Series X and the PS5 are out next week. Uh, Xbox is next week. PS5 is a week after. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know. One one way around or the other. I can't. Remember. Neither of us are buying one now, and also. I won't be for the foreseeable future because I'm assuming they're not going to be in stock forever because it's so close to Christmas. Yeah. 
Um, but I'll probably be able to find one on eBay for like 300 quid in a couple of months, which would be great. So I'll get one then. Um, I'm going to try and cover some of the games that were released, though, because you've got mostly cross-platform stuff. So I'm going to try and get Miles Morales um, and probably going to try and get Gears Tactics. Gears Tic Tacs. Mm. Yeah, it's on Xbox One X soon, isn't it? Yeah, because they're the big ones. that I, I think those are the big ones. Um, there's also the Astrobot game that involves a controller and stuff, but I'm not really... That's only on PS5. Yeah, it's a packing game as well, so I think it's just to teach you about the console more than anything, you know? Yeah, apparently it's really, really good. Yeah, I'm sure it is, but it's just, yeah. I'm not spending 500 quid to play a fucking Astrobot game. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's not really much going on. Watch Dogs Legion is out. I haven't played it yet, but I watched some videos of London, and holy shit, they didn't hire many English people to do voices in that game, did they? You ran over me foot! They did, they told them to English it up a bit. Alright, oh, alright. And they all just watched Dick Van Dyke in fucking Mary Poppins and went, Oh, cool, oh, no, oh, bloody hell. You've obviously never been to London, that's how everyone talks. Oh, that's how everybody talks in yeah. London, a place that's 20 minutes away from where we live. Mm. <laughs> you don't want to go to London, you get stabbed and it's it's still taken over by foreigners now. It's not what not the country I recognise. And I know that, because I live in Twickenham. Yeah, my auntie's told me, she said, I wouldn't even go to London now. Because it's not the London I knew from my youth. I literally go to Her London. youth was in the 1940s, 50s woman. Like, yeah. We had British World War II spirit. You weren't even around when World War II was a thing. <laughs> London in my day, when there was a husk of itself, because it had been bombed almost to oblivion by the Germans. Yeah, and everyone was poor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, someone... Oh, I heard one of those fucking arsenine racists on, on the radio the other day talking about how their fish and chips used to come wrapped in newspaper... <laughs> And they love the smell of newspaper. And now the EU makes it so you can't use newspaper. And I'm like, you know what you think to yourself? You're such a fucking idiot. You're such a fuck. Like, who goes, I want my fish and chips wrapped in newspaper because I love the smell of the newspaper and the oil and stuff like that. And they go, oh, I wish they could still do that. And then doesn't think to themselves, oh, wait, no, food safety laws have come along quite a way. And it's probably because that was a really, like, I don't think people realise what uh, newspaper mites are and stuff like that. So I know Tom had it very briefly back in the day. You remember the hedgehog? So Tom got wood mites from newspaper that was packed in pets at home and where it had it next to like wood shavings and things like that, you would get the mites would transfer over to the newspaper. Oh. So it's just wood mites, but they can live on newspaper and they just he had a horrible infection from it. Well, the only reason they used newspaper in the first place was because back in the 1950s and 40s, there was a shortage of greaseproof paper they could yeah. use so they would just use newspaper and it went on because to it's glo- you know relatively greaseproof yes yeah. you know it's not going to go soggy also it's cheaper than buying stuff that yeah. was at the time anyway yeah because newspaper was a penny yeah <laughs> yep well that's the world we live in people are fucking stupid I used to get my chips in newspaper yeah yeah sometimes I think I you did. get little black bits on the chips where the yeah. ink is run I think I did once or twice uh, I wasn't really bothered when they moved to cardboard boxes it's not even that, you just get paper. You just use regular... Yeah, often they use brown paper, paper don't they? Just clear, clear brown paper. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the re- Let's talk about the podcast. Why? Let's talk about the podcast. Why? Can you just start reviewing stuff? Let's, yeah, let's do that. But sure first, we're going to tell people what we do. No. We review stuff, don't we, Ant? Ant, Ant, Ant. We review stuff, don't we? Yeah? Stuff and things. Remember? Mm-hmm. Back in the room. Cool. So I'm going to go first this week. No, right, have fun. I'm going to talk about a game that I played, or I attempted I mean, to I'm play. I'm going to have to use a lot of filler, but, you know, carry on. 
I got a code. Unless you want me to review another Transformer? Go for it. I got a code for a game. Oh, did you? I got a code for a game called Cloudpunk that I tried to palm off on you because I said I didn't have enough time to play it. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up trying to play it five days in a row. I managed to play it for about two hours per day and I just could not get into it. And I was trying to see if it was like something where other people had had this issue. But no, everyone seems to love it. I think I'm just a mad person who doesn't like it. I've told you before you got bad taste. Maybe stuff. I do. Maybe I do. Maybe this is what wakens mm. me up to that fact. Um, it's weird. It's like... Well, my Joker was your favourite movie. Oh, though, God. Don't. You were complaining when Parasite won uh, picture. I can't get into arguments about how that shit... That video went all over the internet. I can't get into arguments about how shit I found fucking Joker again. I just can't. Yeah, you were talking about Cloudpunk. I don't have the energy to talk about Joker again. Yeah, Cloudpunk. So, Cloudpunk, you remember Fifth Element? Like, Corbin Dallas was a taxi driver. Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas, multipass. And he had his floaty multi-pass. taxi. And he went up and down. And, like, like they had, like, flying stuff. And it was, like, really deep and... Basically, Cloudpunk is a game where you play a taxi driver and you go around and you pick people up and take them places and little by little there's tiny snippets of a story there and you get an idea of political intrigue. One of the the first things you find out is that the person that was driving the taxi before you, the person who had the number that you have before you, um, they may or may not have died or been killed and slowly... Now they haunt the taxi. What? Now they haunt the taxi. No, 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 that'd be amazing. Um, they basically went missing or they were killed. And, like, you get hints at some other sinister forces going on behind the scenes. But just, it was one of those games that I just kept trying to push through. And I just couldn't, I didn't really enjoy it. It was interesting. And, like, at times I would be playing and I'd just be, like, doing doing the normal, like, sort of routine of just taking fares and, and talking to people and getting bits and pieces done. Uh, but then I just, I'd find myself just, like... You know, almost like you zone out whilst you're watching something like it. Like I was playing it, but I wasn't able to really focus on it. Maybe I've got ADHD. I don't know. But I mean, it was interesting from what I saw. If you, I think this is the kind of thing that if you really want that sequence from the Fifth Element, if you really wanted that in a game and you didn't play the Game Boy game that came out that was about that. No, I've got the PS1 Fifth Element. And the PS1. Well, no, the PS1 Fifth Element didn't have that section, though, did it? No, but you could jump on taxis. There was bits oh, where you? you platform. Oh. Yeah. Do you not remember the Game Boy game where you could. You... It was a Game Boy racing game. Was it a racing game? Yeah. There was a Fifth was Element top down. racing game no one yeah. remembers. It was on PC as well, I think. Was it? Oh, yeah. I remember it. I think it was on PS2, actually, as well. Is it? Got a feeling. Huh. Um, but yeah, I just... This kind of like that section, and I like the way the story slowly revealed, but it was just... I don't know what it was. I just couldn't get into it. Oh, and when you get out of your car, you've got this really stylized... It looks a bit like Psychonauts people. Oh, sweet. We have like a big head and skinny body, and like your movement feels very floaty. No. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm not overly negative towards it. I didn't hate my time with it. I just, I found it so hard to crack that, crack that point where you're just like, yeah, I can't wait to play this again. I was just kept hitting a bit of a wall. Um, Maybe we should have just played it forever. No, that probably wouldn't have been good for me. Uh, But yeah, it's. There you go, New York Race. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Fifth Element racing game. It was on PS2. I remember that. New York Yeah, race. it was on Game Boy and PS2. No, it didn't. It barely had Fifth Element branding. It was kind of no. funny. It just had the designs, didn't it? Hmm. Um, but yeah, Cloudpunk. Um, I'm going to give it an Anne Hathaway. It's pretty good. But it's just... I don't think it's for everyone. I really don't. I think it's such a niche idea. and Because like, you can't... You can't really speed around. There's no real like... Woo, I'm racing. It's not like crazy taxi-style taxi missions. It is just like pick up from point A, take him to point B. 
Like, come here, we've got an upgrade for you. Or, come here, I've got vital information for you. Oh, okay, I'm here. Here's the information. And like, yeah, it's just that cycle of gameplay. I know that, like, I know it's not meant to be a big action thing. I just, I need it to feel a bit more involved. Because you've got the attention span of a nap. Because I've got the attention span of a nap. Yeah. Nap playing video games. And Don't what, even understand what was what's playing on your laptop while you were playing the game? Nope, wasn't playing it late, so I was just playing the game. Yeah, you had something on another screen. Nope, just playing the game. Mm-hmm. Your review, Ant. Don't believe you. Your review, Ant. I reckon you were watching that Auntie Donna again. I love Auntie Donna. Getting all that Australian right-wing nut job stuff going. They're not right-wing. They're Australian. I'm going to tar them with one brush. All of them. All of the Australians. Big tar brush. Isn't that in itself? More of a basting brush for their barbecue. Generalisation is the stepping stone to, you know, persecution based on something that someone doesn't have control over. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what the Nazis did, but that's kind of what the Nazis did (laughs) too. Oh, so now I'm a Nazi. No, I'm just saying that generalisation, you know. Who's generalisation? That was the worst fucking joke this episode. I'm calling it now. <laughs> your review, God's sake. Review, review your right. Transformer. It's a slim way. I'm not going to review your Transformer. I mean, to be honest, I could review a Transformer. You'd have to send him over here. He's very good. Um, no, we're going to review, up to date, up to minute, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. What? Because, you know, that's what I've been doing recently, is just watching old films again, because I miss when films look like films. Okay. They don't look like films anymore, they look like video games. I want to watch a film. So I watched the special effects extravagance. Um, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. It's a really nice Star Trek. It's like, I never liked this one as a kid. I thought it was silly, that they were travelling back in time to get some whales. I was going to say, this is the whale one, isn't yeah. it? I thought it was s- silly. Spock, so Spock's dead at the end of 2... And then comes back in this one. No, in three. He comes back in three. Yeah, this is Star Trek oh. four. But the because but when you watch this back, it is the most Star Trek of all the Star Trek films. It's it's an adventure. There's a concept that is the entire the entire film is built around this one science fiction dilemma that they're going to have to solve. Yeah, and you know you get some hijinks along the way, and it's one of the few Star Trek films that involves an away team mission. Like, a lot of times the Star Trek films don't really do away team missions. They don't do the Star Trek stuff where they go to a planet to investigate. It's just the planet in this situation is 1986 New um, San Francisco. This is the one that's just kind of like the Brady Bunch movie from the 1990s. It's fantastic. It's, so, like, the plot is, because they're still on Vulcan at the end of, from the end of Star Trek Three. Spock's yeah. been going through some training to make sure his brain's all working right because he's had his like spirit put back into him. Yep. Um, whatever they called it in Star Trek. Because um, he put it into McCoy and then McCoy transferred it to his new body. All Magic. makes sense all, so far. All yeah, makes sense so far. Magical stuff. Yep. Um, and they haven't got the Enterprise because they blew it up. And Kirk is basically, he's going to face court martial along with the crew because they blew up the Enterprise they escaped from a Starfleet dock and disabled another ship, and they basically went rogue to do the stuff that happens in Star Trek Three. They go rogue every fucking movie. Yeah. But um, so they're they're planning to head back to Earth to face the court martial and everything, do a good thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, big old probe turns up at Earth. It's sending these waves into the ocean, like not waves as in ocean waves, waves as in energy waves. Yep, yep. Weird signal. No one can tell what it is. It's very strange. Everyone in the future is stupid, I guess. Um. And they're, you know, beaming it into the ocean. It's like causing all these tidal waves and all this damage all over the world. And, 
you know, the weather is going all out of control because of... As it does when yeah, it's insulted by energy Because it's waves. the environmentalist message in this film. It's because it's about the stuff we're doing today could doom us in the future. I didn't sign off on an environmental mm. message. So what they do is they do a bit of time travel. Yep. And they're like, let's just fling ourselves around the sun, travel back in time. Which sounds like they made it up on the spot, but it happens in the Star Trek original series episode. And there's a nice little thing where Spock's like, I'm just going to have to do all the calculations myself. Because, you know, he don't, I guess he doesn't ring Klingon on the computer and can't just type it into the Klingon computer. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea that their the bare bones Enterprise crew is all gone. It's just the core main cast. Like, you know, Sulu, Chekhov, Scotty, Uhura, Spock, McCoy, and old Kirky McKirk and Kirk. <gasps> but everyone's not sure about Spock because he's a bit like... He doesn't have the familiarity he used to have with Kirk. He's gone very like he was at the start of the original series, where he's much more sort of reserved and emotionless and yeah. all this. He doesn't have that development where he's like, that comes in over the movies, where he's like Kirk's buddy now and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but no, they travel back in time. They have a jolly good time. They find some whales. Their plan is these whales are going to be released into the wild. There's a lot of stuff about anti-whaling issues where people are going to hunt these whales and stuff. It's very important in the 80s. Yeah. We were running out of whales. Still is now, because, you know... We're still running out of whales. Well, Japan still keeps hunting Killing whales. Killing whales, yeah. yeah. Amberglose is but still... But there's, there's, like, beats in it where you just, like... It's a film that's a PG. It's, like, a PG certificate film. But there's sequences where it just cuts, and for, like, a full minute, we'll just show whales being speared, gutted, ripped, like, having their skin flayed off and stuff. Wasn't this also... What they're talking this about? This was directed by Leonard Nimoy, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, this one's Nimoy. Yeah. The fifth one was Shatner. Yeah, that's um, why it's so environmental because he was yeah. a he was one of those people. He was a smart person. He was. He wrote um, he wrote that book about Shana babies. Less so. Um, he didn't write the book about babies. Yeah, he that did. was Doctor Spock. That's an entirely different person. Was it? Yeah, his name wasn't even really Doctor Spock. I think. Um, I thought it was Leonard Nimoy that wrote no, the book. No, he didn't babies. write the book. No, no, Spock wasn't a doctor. God's sake! But um, yeah, it's just a fun romp. They go back in time. They don't even get back to the past till like thirty-five minutes into the film, and the film's only. Barely, not even two hours long. I think it's like an hour 40. And so they just have a nice little romp. They're all fish out of water stuff. There's the whole bit where, um, what is it that Kirk says? Double damn you or something like that. Um, you know, there's a bit on the, everyone loves the bit on the um, bus where the guys play, the punks play the music real loud and Spock gets up and Vulcan Nerf pinches him and everyone cheers. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, just a fun, good old time where they're just, you know, a bunch of old pensioners um, having a jolly good time, hanging out with a fish lady who's like, yeah, I like fish, we're whales specifically. And, you know, he's got a big build-up to the finale. There's a race against time in the future. Everything's getting wrecked. The whales got secretly released overnight when they were planning to come in and teleport them out. Um, you know, and there's a race against time where the whales are swimming out into the ocean. But, oh, my God, there's some whaling boats coming. I and, remember that. Yeah, and they've got... And I think the funny idea is that they're in the Klingon vessel and... They could just blow the boat out of the water, obviously. Yeah. They could They could just fart on it. They could do the ship equivalent of a fart and kill everyone on the boat. <laughs> but they don't. They just basically, they stay close. They wait for the boat to fire the harpoon. They just dip the wing into the harpoon. <laughs> so it goes, point. <laughs> um, that's skipping right to the end. This film's an interesting one, though, because originally it was planned they wanted to get Eddie Murphy in it. And Eddie Murphy was going to be the marine biologist that's in the film. Which obviously I would have meant there would be no romance subplot with Kirk, I guess. Or would there? That would have been forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think Shatner would do it though. No, Shatner's a bit. Nimoy weird would guy. ask him. <laughs> yeah, Nimoy would be like, "Can you just give him a quick peck on the cheek?" And Shatner's yeah. like, "Get the stunt double to do it." Yeah. 
Very soon as Eddie Murphy leaves. You can't have the stunt double do everything. He's been doing all your lines all day. Lines of coke. um, Probably Shatner's probably done coke. It's so, so lucky we got William Shotner in Mm. for the uh, stunt double. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff I really like on it. Just, it was obviously done as a budget saving thing. Oh yeah. Like the, the fact the Klingon ship goes invisible means they don't have to build a full scale Klingon ship on the park where it's set. Mm. It does seem weird that no one seems to ever go through this park apart from when it's comedically funny <laughs> when the crew are around because the ship's just parked in a park, the Klingon vessel is. Mm. It's a good job it can land. Enterprise wouldn't be able to do that. That's true. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I just enjoy it. Nice race against time element. Nice finale. Spock gradually becoming more Spock-like. He even laughs a bit at the end. Good on him. Yeah, because I remember there was like, uh, there was a lot of him running away and just putting his hand on fish tanks. He swims, he goes, dumps eyes into fish tanks and yeah. talks to them. And that's how they sort of convince, he convinces them something's like they're up to something. Yeah. Like he knows one of the whales is pregnant. And he says, how did you know? Because the whale told me. How does he hide his ears? Um, he has a he tears off a strip of his cloth and ties it around his head like a bandana, so he looks like a monk walking around. Okay, because <laughs> he's wearing like his his Vulcan robes. They don't even try to mix in with the clothes and everything. But it's got all sorts of really neat stuff. Like there's a whole bit where they need to basically make a tank inside the Klingon ship to house two whales in. Yeah, and their plan is to basically get some material they can use to fill it with water and everything. Um. But obviously, in the past, like there's own you no know, material needed to hold that amount of water would have to be like six foot thick or something. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, what if I could make it six inches thick?" And he's talking to like some guy who makes plastic, and he, you know, there's a whole bit where Scotty's got the computer, and he's like, "Hello, computer." And he's like, mm. "No, you have to use this." And Sully passes him the mouse, and he picks up the mouse. And goes ah. Hello, computer, talking directly into the mouse. <laughs> that classic joke. And he's like, typing. Oh, how quaint. <laughs> and he's like typing away and he like gives the guy the formula for transparent aluminium. And he's wow. like, is this like, is this okay? Because like transparent aluminium hasn't been invented yet. And Scott, he's just like, how do you know he didn't invent transparent aluminium? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> this is like a smart way of approaching it. Because, you know, if, if they question it in the future when they get back home. Yeah. Like, how did you make transparent aluminium in 1986? Well, if you look at your history records, this guy invented transparent aluminium in 1986. <laughs> Weird, that, isn't it? Wasn't us. Just yeah, a coincidence. Throw time off. It, I mean, it's quite a structural... To be honest, it wouldn't throw it off too much because transparent aluminium exists now. It is actually a thing that's been developed. Yeah. Um, probably not to the strength they made it in this, but it is a real thing that's been created in the last, like, 10 or so years. So you're talking 20 year throwing off, it's fine. That was one of the weird, Star Trek being weirdly accurate with its predictions yeah, of the future. like mobile phone technology. Yeah, World War Three's coming up, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, yeah, it's a fun film, environmentalist message. The whole idea of like the thing from the future is destroying us because we wiped out something in the past, our actions in the past doomed the future. Like, you know, a mm. s- simple message that you can do in sci-fi and it's the most Star Trek-y of, those, of some of those films. Like, because Ruff Khan is like a really great film, but it's not Star Trek-y. No. It's, it's an action film with like some big dramatic moments and stuff, but it's not like, here's a moral dilemma and we have to solve it. Here's a, you know, an environmentalist thing we have to solve. It's a, you know, I mean, there is a bit of that with the geo, the whole um, planet fixing thing. Not Geostorm, that's the Gerald okay. Butler film. Yeah. No, that's no. what I was saying. What do you call it when you, when you, um, Terraforming? Terraform, yeah. they got the whole Genesis device that's going to terraform the planet. One of the earliest CGI effects in films, which they're still using in Star Trek 4. Like, they're just like, they're really proud of that effect. They're going to keep using it. 
Um, they use it for a completely different purpose in an episode of Next Generation. Like, just use it to show a planet getting destroyed. Oh. Um, but no, this, yeah, it's a fun old film. You know, the crew's having a jolly good time. You know, you got the whole Chekhov with his nuclear whistles thing. You know, the Russian walking around New York in San Francisco the... asking for nuclear missiles. <laughs> who was this the last film for? None of them. They're all in it. No, I mean, like, who was the last... There was someone who didn't return for the fifth one. No, they're all in it. Are they all in the fifth yeah, one? Yeah, the whole crew gets through all the films. Oh. You fool. You never lose anyone on those Star Trek films. All, all six of the original Star Trek films have the main cast. Kirstie Alley's in one of those, isn't she? Yeah, she was... Um, she was a she was Savick in Star Trek Two, yeah. but they didn't bring her back for Star Trek Four, Three, and Four when she's the same when the same character still around. You know what? I'm thinking it's probably good that they didn't. Yeah, yeah. And then they were tempted to bring her back for Star Trek Six to be the secret Romulan, but the problem with that was is that they were like, well, Savick was quite a liked character, and it would be a bit shitty to make her be a villain. Mm. So then they got um, Kim Cattrall was oh was the um, secret Romulan spy. And also a mannequin. Yeah, she's a mannequin, yeah. What a twist. And in Police Academy. She did a lot of stuff back then. Yeah. Yeah. I like mannequin. Less so mannequin on the move. move. Yeah. 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 We don't talk about mannequin. Was it Andrew McCarthy in the first one? Yeah, I think so. Who was the second one? Uh, Lesser known person. No, it was someone well known. Nah. I think the only actor who came back was the... um... Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood, yeah. Yeah. One, wasn't he the one who sorted out Gremlins too? No, that was key. That was Keenan Mike. No, that was uh, uh, Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah, and he was all like, "What about a vegetable Gremlin? You just said words that came out of your mouth, and I love it. I don't even know what that means, but I love it." And then the end, of, the end of the sequence, where it just goes, "All, all of this is in the movie." Yeah. yeah. God, that's great. Yeah. So much cocaine in that room. In real life, there was so much cocaine in that room. They just sent him through the vents. Yeah. Yeah, Star Trek 4. If you know you want some classic Star Trek, because I would say we're missing classic Star Trek now because it's been pretty miserable. Apart from Lower Decks, it's been fun. Um, but that said, this week's Star Trek Discovery was a really good episode of Star Trek. Apparently, they've turned it around. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say episode 3 was a bit wobbly. 1 and 2 was like fun action movie type stuff. Yeah. But 3 was like a genuinely good episode of Star Trek. I was quite oh. impressed. Um, so, you know, yeah. Anyway, you review something, you collection of pornography arranged in alphabetical order. Except for the letter M, it's in the wrong spot. What? Okay, so this is technically our Halloween episode, because Halloween was last week, and I said the last episode was a Halloween episode, but I'm changing my mind. I did Freddy vs. Jason last time. I'm doing a horror game! So, Anne, I reviewed Blair Witch Project on the Xbox One X like a year ago. Do you remember that? Do you know what I was like? I was like, it's fine. Like, I don't know what to say. There's some boring parts. There's some really exciting parts. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, I was I was a bit hit and miss on the whole thing. I didn't really like it too much. Cue a year later and blooper. Blooper team? Blooper team? Blooper team? Blooper team. Have given me a code. Have they? Are you for, sure? For you sure they've Witch. given you a code? For Blair Witch. Do you want to check the name? Blair Witch of Blooper? You mean Blooper? Um, blue, ba dee ba ba da You think they're called Blueba Team? I said Blueba. You think like that's? You think the name of the developer is Blueba? Blooper. Or Blooper. Blooper. As in the squid from Mario Brothers 2. Blooper or 1. Actually, no, he's in Mario Brothers 1. Team. Yeah. yeah, it's Blueba. It's not a real word. 
It is bloop. B l l. Sorry, b l o o b e r. Shut up! I knew what I was talking about. I don't believe you it. Fucked it me sounds over. silly. You fucking. What are you doing, you bastard? You Judas. Um, anyway, so Bloober Team gave me a code for uh, for Blair Witch on the Oculus Quest. And so I was instantly hesitant to go into this because... Um, because your Facebook account is not in good standing. No, I don't I don't have my Facebook account linked to my Oculus. Because oh. I don't need to because I've got the first quest. I'm not oh. getting the fucking quest too. As soon as I saw that account on my pre I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not fucking dealing with my Facebook. Because have you heard what they do? If your Facebook Because my Oculus account is linked to my Facebook account, but I don't... Don't sign into my Facebook account on the Oculus Quest. You just sign to your Oculus account, yeah? Mm. They're merging the two together. So if you sign in to the Oculus Rift uh. 2, and for some reason it just does not like your Facebook account, it completely deletes your purchases. You can't download them on the Oculus Quest. It refuses you acu- acu- access to your Oculus account. So fuck that game. I'm not playing that fucking shit. Mm. Um so anyway, so um, sorry. Back to the game, um, Blair Witch Project. So I, I, the first game was a bit, mm, yeah, hum, hamstrung by design. So like, you know, certain things would just be you'd walk over to something, you'd have to like. Essentially, it felt like a game that was designed for mouse and mouse and keyboard that was converted over to a console game, to a controller game. But then at the same time, like a lot of your actions, like you could, you could throw stuff. Or, no, sorry, you could you could hold stuff in front of your dog, and he'd come to you, and you had like commands, and it would be like, Doggo. you know. You know, like emotes in like a multiplayer game, where you have to like hold something, then select the emote, and then let go, and then oh. it does the emote sort of thing. Hey, that jump is too hot. Right, so it was just—it just felt a bit like unnatural to play it. Even though you wanted to walk around the environment, so you wanted to experience stuff, it didn't feel natural to be there. They've done a lot of work to make the VR game a lot better, and straight away I was enjoying it a lot more. Also, I found the experience a little chilling. Like when I first played the Xbox One, I was always oh, that's out. That's what the screaming was. Yeah, screaming and crying and coming. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think you heard the coming. Well, you might have heard the coming. I scream when I come, so you heard screaming. That does it. Um, so uh, with this, basically straight away they sort of show you that they've changed things up a lot. By you're in a you're in a, a house. You start the game. The menu screen is in a house, and you've got a TV. Oh, like Silent Hill for the room. Yeah, you've got a TV that has your options as start settings, blah blah blah. On the table. You've got a selection of different colours for, for bullets, so you can pick which colour collar he has, which is good for people that are colour blind as well, because it means that it's accessible for those people as well. Um, and then also you've got you get to pick like if you're um you get to pick like different um voices and such. And then you get to go over and actually interact with Bullet. And straight away, they've done a lot to make it feel like he's a character in the game more than he did in the other version. Because in the other version he felt more like a like a like just a contrivance like a plot device like he'd bark in the direction that monsters were coming like he's essentially just a compass you know um but in this like you can stroke him you can pet him when you get stuff that you like when you find stuff on the ground that you want him to smell so that he can get the scent you hold it in front of him and it all just feels natural and like a really it takes a concept that was you have to clean up his poos yeah it takes a concept that that was great in design and great in idea but just didn't really work with a controller and a less interactive environment and made it more interactive. Um, one of the really good things is that it, it's got um, both movement-based crouching and searching and stuff, but then also you've got controller-based running. It's one of the first controller-based running games that doesn't make me feel like I'm tipping back slowly as I'm running forward. Like They do a really good job of balancing everything out. Um, and also, like you properly get to see the monsters in this one. In the Xbox version, I don't know why, 
it's kind of hard to catch the monster. You just sort of flick around, you've got the torch, and then there's this big flash of light, and it runs off to another section of the woods. There are monsters in Blair Witch. I know there's like that one creepy, messed up woman in Blair Witch, the new one film. Yeah, so in there's the, like, the, it's all in your head, basically. Oh. But you've, you've got a torch. You find a torch at one point, and you're in the woods, and there's like a weird spindly stick man. Oh. And like he just basically looks like a tree. Do- he looks a bit like Evil Groot. He's an ant. Like an ant. And he basically stands in between trees. An ant's a thing, isn't it? I'm not- yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, from Lord it's, it's from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, he stands in between trees, or he like stands with his arms up like a tree-like position, then you flash the torch and go... Oh, it's off. the ghost of a kid who always play a, tr- a tree in, yeah, yeah. in primary school That's place. it, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Ghost of a tree is a ghost of a kid who was molested and forced to play a tree By in Freddy school Kruger. Play. That's how you By tied Freddy the universe together. Yeah. Yeah, in the remake. Yeah. Not in the original, in the remake where he's got mm. no nose. Um, yeah. But in like this... Michael like, Jackson. Yeah. That was on purpose. They- yeah, that was on purpose. <laughs> um, one of the nice things, like, just puzzles in general feel better. Like, there's a moment in the in the game on, on Xbox where you've got a controller and you have to go up to a tree and you, put your, you have to press A and he puts his hand on the tree. In this, you run towards the tree and you're like, oh, that tree's got a glowing hand mark. And you just take the VR controller and you hold it up. <laughs> and that puts your hand in the tree. Like, simple shit like that that just feels a bit... Maybe they designed it initially like a VR game and then transferred it over into well, People it. are talking about the PS5 when they do do new VR controllers for it because that haptic feedback stuff would be pretty yeah. pretty neat when you have to touch yeah, stuff. And, I mean, Move is, what, three generations old at this point? Yeah, yeah I sold mine for 40 quid each. Yeah, they still go for lots. <laughs> yeah, I brought them for, like, £5. Yeah, I think I spent... <laughs> I think I got lucky. I got one with those... You remember those move box things that came with a camera for the PS3? Mm. I got one from that, and then I got another one. I think one. I've still got my Harry Potter game. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I brought them for. I never used it. <laughs> you open up the book, and it says, male or female? Nothing else. Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling wrote the story. Ah, oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is such a better experience. It's shorter as well. They've really cut down on a lot of the shit, like, because so much of the Blair Witch game on Xbox was like, you're running through the woods, you're running through... But they've made it an endless loop. So you think that you're, like, they searching around... They should make around. a sequel where you play a group of people who thought the game was real, the Blair Witch game, so then they go to the developer's headquarters to try and find the Blair Witch at the developer's headquarters. And all they find is the Book of Shadows! Yeah. Oh, great And idea. also you get... Was it the girl who's in CSI or whatever? Is she in it? Or Maybe. Jag? Or one of those shows, The Goth Woman? Is she in it? I don't know. I Maybe. can't remember. There's a goth girl in it. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's come out on the mic. Leah Romini? That's probably higher than... No, she's not goth. That's going to be too <laughs> no. high for the noise gate. Is it? Yeah, God's sake. That's quite loud. Oh, look, you can see it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You can see it. God, look yeah. at that perfect wave. It's yeah. lovely. It's quite distinct. Disgusting. Emphasis on the stinct. I need a fart filter on this. <laughs> um, but yeah, all in all, this is a much better experience. And if you're into, like, spook-em-ups, this is the way to play Blair Witch. It's only available on the Quest right now, so it's not available on PS4. So I'm not VR. playing the PS1 game. Pardon? I'm not playing the PS1 no, game. No, not playing the PS no, it was a PC game. It didn't come out on PS1. Didn't it was it? planned for PS1. Oh. It was three PC games, in fact. Oh. There were three different chapters. They took place in different timelines. Look, I know my Blair Witch video games, alright, Anne? I remember watching the first one when it came out and everyone made a big fuss about it and I watched it yeah. and went the last four seconds were slightly chilling. And the rest of it was just eh. Yeah, it's basically like a walking simulator. The guy stood in the simulator. corner with his head against the wall, and that's chilling. That oh, works. wait, are you talking about the films or the games? Yeah, the film. Oh, mm. right. The last four seconds of the film is... A bit creepy, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. That's <laughs> the new one is... Book of Shadows was bad. Book of Shadows was bad. As, <laughs> it's just a bad film. That newer one wasn't too bad. I didn't watch it. 
Um, I haven't some... seen Rings either. I'm not, I'm not catching up on my 90s oh God, I horror that. movies brought the back. The Johnny Galecki one. I don't know. The one that had the plane bit. Yeah, Johnny Galecki's in it uh, from Big Bang Theory. That it is. But that's just a that's just a theory. That's just a Big Bang. Theory. Is that guy pedo? I don't know who it is. Matt Pat. Matt Pat. Yeah, the one from Game Theory. I don't think so. No, uh, that's you're thinking of Jared. Ja- oh, pro Jared. Pro Jared. Yeah, pedo Jared. Yeah. He doesn't got a pedo beard though. No, he doesn't. no, actually, he does have a beard now. Does he? Yeah, I think he grew a beard. I'm sure. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, madness. Anyway, but yeah, um, Blair Witch is like a total recommend. I, I can't recommend it enough. I really fucking enjoyed it. Oh. What a fucking role reversal this is. Because I was going into it, like, there are a few moments where you're just like walking through the woods and I was like, oh, I remember how to do this and you pick something up. But they just, they do change up in sections. So it is different from the original version. Like, the initial part where you find, because the game on Xbox starts, you find a police car and it's got a radio mm. that's left behind for one of the officers that's going to turn up late. And you sort of commandeer that and you get a map. In this, like, you've got different cars that have all like all police cars that are all like going out searching the woods and you pick up notes and you can like you basically you can read the notes that are left behind like what people are what people are doing what they're doing why they're doing it but also cleverly they've put a bunch of crates and stuff so you can still do the thing in VR that everybody does and you can pick stuff up and smash it like the Hulk for no reason because I fucking love smashing stuff like you can pick up crates and just throw them into the woods and they break and just go a bit mad it's um, destructive also, uh, it's got all the phone games and stuff on it still. So all the all the because on the original you could play Snake on the phone, and now you could do that again. But obviously, this seems like such a stupid simple you play thing. Supercard on the phone. No, oh. it's like it's set in the nineties, I think. So you've got like oh. yeah, you've got Snake like a Nokia yeah. and that shooting game. What's what the was side that shmup? One? Yeah, what's the side? They got from? remade, didn't it? There was like uh, flashy I newer versions of it. I have it. no idea. Um, but yeah, like it sounds really stupid, but. Being able to... VR controllers are so good because you've got two hands that can move independently of each other. Mm. So having a hand where you're like... You've got a torch pointing towards the wood in one, woods in one hand. You've got your dog barking off into the distance. And then with your other hand, you're like, okay, snake. Just with one little joystick. And it feels almost like, you know, mm. your imagination does sort of take you away a little bit. And you do feel like you're just holding a device that's... Because you've got, like, separate control. It's stupid, I know. But, like, it is... So weirdly effective in in making you feel like you're actually holding a phone playing this stupid little game and then like yeah but yeah Blair Witch is a total recommend if you're looking for a horror game the sound in it as well like um I don't wear headphones when I use the Oculus Quest it just has because it has speakers built into the the straps hmm. but a lot of people swear by having the audio headphones because apparently it's got like bilateral audio and stuff so it'll do is it bilateral or is it I don't know. But it's got multi-channel audio, so it's like got surround hmm. sound when you've got the headphones. Yeah. And apparently it sounds phenomenal when you've got the headphones, but I don't have too many issues when because you can hear like trees creaking in the distance and stuff and they move around you. It's all great. I really enjoyed it. I fucking loved it. It was so much easier to because this takes this takes about half the time to complete, maybe not even that. Maybe a little bit less than that. It takes it takes so much less time to complete than the Xbox game, but like all the moments in this, I enjoyed being in them they felt a little bit more warranted. Like even like the video camera stuff, you, there's a moment where you've got a camera in your hand and one of the puzzle elements are that you watch tapes of stuff happening and if you rewind the tape to a specific point, if like say there's one where a kid drops a baseball, and if you rewind to the point where the kid drops a baseball before the guy picks up and goes, what are you fucking trying to do? You're trying to hint at people, like let people know you're here. If you rewind it to the point where he drops a base, the baseball and pause it, the baseball appears where he dropped it and you can pick mm. it up. And like, mm-hmm. there's like a part where a tree falls down. If you reverse it back to the tree, just whoop, 
and then you pause it and you can walk through. It's pretty cool. But it feels really weird. That's and- not how videotape works. Did Zangief design this? <laughs> it feels really weird and really, like I said, effective. That's the only word I can think to explain is effective being able to control a device with one controller that's independent of another that can be... Because you can, like, it's it's a... I reviewed, I reviewed Walking Dead Saints and Sinners like a little while ago. And I said that I really enjoyed the mechanics of the game, but the game itself was kind of lacking get a bit bored after a while. Or it just never feels like you've got enough going on and there's not enough direction in it. When it comes to that game, though, I spent way too long waving baseball bats in the air with a weighted mechanics that sort of does that floppy arm thing where it's like it's too heavy for one hand, so you get another hand and you can like swing it round. And, like having things like axes and you throw them up in the air and you catch them with the other hand and you swing it and hit a zombie. Just trying to be a total moron in VR, but like giving you toys and, and things to play with to make it an actual playground is fantastic. Um, oh, the amount of stupid shit I did in that game. And it's the same with this. Like, as soon as you find something that you can play with in the game, you want to play with it. You want to interact with it. It's not like the fucking Xbox one where I was like, oh, another note. Oh, more sad shit. In this, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, I see what's going on. What's that over there? Never mind, it was no, I'm going to keep reading. It was Slenderman. Yeah. But yeah, like, like it's. Wait, really... You're finding notes and there's like weird, creepy, tall dudes in the woods. No, no, no. So you're like... a slender man game. So every so often you go back to you go back to areas you've already been and stuff will have changed or people have left notes because there's like a time bending, like with a the camera. There's a time bending element to the story, so you're traveling both forward and backwards in time. At any key point. Oh, and, tenant. Yeah, and you're no tenant's about things that travel through. And um, look, tenant was about. Objects that have been affected You're by... You're still explaining this temporal... like two months later. It clearly ah! isn't good. It's fine. Like Tenant is fine. Blair Witch is fantastic. I really enjoyed it. It's not a perfect game. That's that's kind of the thing with VR games. I don't think anything in VR beyond Half-Life Alex has been perfect. But it's so interesting to play with those tools and those mechanics. And I, I, I just... It is so much better than the Xbox version. That is the thing that I can't get over is how much... Simply changing it from a normal controller-based game to a VR game has improved it for me. Um, but I give this a Helen Mirren. Dame Helen Mirren, I should say. Fantastic. Timeless. A classic. Dame Helen Mirren. Your review. Dame Helen Mirren was in Red and Red 2. She should know better. And Fast and Furious 9. Oh, yeah. There's nine of them now. you got to go out and get your brother... You're not very well, mate. Was she playing Jason Statham's mum? Yeah. Of course. Even though they're only like 10 years apart in terms of age? They're not. Other than that. Yeah. They're older than that. No. Helen Mirren's like, what, 78? Difference in age. And Jason Statham's like 49? He's 50-odd. He's not in his 50s. Yeah, he is. He's too handsome. And... He's not that old an egg. He looks like an egg. I mean, granted, in the 80s... It's only 21 years. No, exactly. no, sorry, sorry. That was Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham. Oh. That's pretty bad. <laughs> it's Vanessa Kirby, his current girlfriend. No, Vanessa is. Kirby's the woman that plays his love interest in uh, in the last Fast and Furious. No, that's got nothing on James Bond. Okay, so films. Jason Statham is 53. <laughs> yeah. And, and Helen Mirren is like 80. No, she's not. She, she's ancient. She's, not. she's like 70 at most. 75. There you go. There's 22 years between them. That's almost the same amount of... Yeah, she could be his mum. <laughs> yeah, she could. God, that just proved my point. All right, okay, your your review, Ant. I didn't, because you said there wasn't enough years between them. No, no, no. 
I was proven right, wrong on that part, but mm-hmm. I said, I thought that they were the same sort of distance as his previous love interest. Mm. <laughs> anyway, you uh, Right, I played um, um, part-time UFO. Oh, I love that game. Came out on the Switch. Yeah, Surprise I release, I think. I don't know if it was advertised before. Ooh. They just sort of did an indie direct and were like, it's out now. Yeah, they just dumped it on there. Um, it's fun little sweet game. Play a little UFO catcher alien thing. You pick things up, you put them down. In co-op, it is pretty crazy. Yep. Um, a lot of bickering to be had in co-op. People discovered just trying to move things and put them in position. Those ones where you have to build a computer thing by putting the blocks in the right shape and you're trying to turn them to the right position to put... Yeah, I fucking hate those levels, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, Paul and I were trying to do them together and we were just having nightmares getting like one piece into the right spot and then Paul would drop something in the wrong place. And I'm like, why have you put it there? I need to pick that up. <laughs> I um, I never played... I, I've never played Cox. because I think the mobile phone one was always just single player. Yeah, it's only single player. Yeah. And holy shit, is it fun when it's single player? Yeah, like- we were trying to do the um, stack forever. Mode. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we can't get past twenty meters. We can't get past sixteen meters. Like I could, I struggled. Gives you the worst pieces ever. All the pieces are weird shapes, and you can't put them down. All I want is just endless ones that are the Ark of the Covenant looking thing that you get. If I could just get a whole stage of those, but no, it's got to drop potted plants on me and little fencing men and stuff. But um, no, it's a fun little quirky game. I quite like the weirdness of the levels where you're doing things like balancing monkeys on a elephant that's on a tightrope. Oh, have you or done you the one? Do you... the cheerleaders and stacking them up in order. Have you done the one with the guy with the balance beam yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. You have to hang like stuff on his arms. You have to put so stuff just... on his arms, yeah, yeah. And then like you've got like a round thing you have to put on there as well. Oh, I put something on his. I think I put it on his head to try and balance it all. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's a fun, fun, simple little game. It's only, it's, I think it's only like seven quid on Switch or something. It's worth it. Right. I think it was, I think it was always around that price on yeah, the phone as well. You get the little costumes and you can dress up as a delivery man and press the shoulder button and you'll like ring the doorbell and stuff. Like little, all sorts of stuff. You can dress as a monkey and you can dress as Monkey Hero, you know, from the Odyssey of the West and <gasps> stuff. Didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I would like some more mini games in there. I'm quite a few stages through it and I've only unlocked that infinite power thing I want something I feel like this could be some more exploration done of those ideas but um, yeah that infinite that infinite building one is like friggin it's basically like playing Mount Your Friends but without all the like homoeroticism without as much homoeroticism you know and it's probably more frustrating though because the amount of times I've put something down it's just slid yeah off just because sometimes, it's not as balanced as I think it's going to be. And sometimes the the actual um, the actual uh, items themselves have a bit of a wonky gravity to them. I think it's like the, you expect the hit detection to not be quite as precise as it is. Maybe because used to these games like this where there's a little bit of fudging on the edges of the hit detection on stuff. But this is like it's so precise down to the pixel. When you put something down, if it's like one pixel over it, it will nudge the thing next to it over slightly. But um, yeah. I like some of the missions, some of the bonus rewards as well, where it's like you're putting oranges in the back of the truck, but if you put the oranges inside the container that you can put there first, you get more points. And if you put the boxes the right way up, because they'll have a little arrow on them, and then sometimes you get little hints in the background that I quite like when you're doing the museum pieces. Mm. And like you've got to stack this thing up, and like, well, is there a right order for it? And then you look in the background, there's a painting of the thing you're building, yeah. so you can stack it in that order, and then you look at it and you go, how are you supposed to do that? Like, Same with a lot of the computer levels as well. Yeah, well, the computer levels have a diagram you follow, but yeah. this one's like off in the background somewhere. Oh, there'll right. be a painting like yeah. off to the side. Um, but no, it's a really sweet little game. If you know, if you want to play more UFO catchers after playing lots of Yakuza, 
you know, then here's your UFO catcher and dream. It's a very Japanese game, that. Because we don't, re- yeah. we have, we call them Krabby Claw games here, but they're not known as UFO catchers. No. They're called UFO catchers in Japan because the most prominent brand ones out there, which I think were actually made by Sega, are the ones that have a UFO and a yeah. little arm. And it, it's funny because you're abducting the cuddly toys. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a play on that in Toy Story 2 with the space thing and the aliens. The claw. Yeah, the aliens are being abducted by yeah. UFO catcher. But, um, yeah, this one, it's a fun little thing. And the, and the weird little narrative you sort of build of this alien who's just trying to, you know, help people out and he gets paid. He doesn't seem to pay, spend his money on anything other than new clothes. <laughs> so, I'm trying to think if there's anything. There's some upgrades. No, you just pick up clothes. It's I always, thought there was some up- is there upgrades. There's a shop and you just get clothes. It's always no upgrades, no nothing else, no new equipment or anything as far as I can tell. I mean, I played for a fair bit of it. <laughs> but yeah, fun little game. You get part-time UFO. It's cheap. Oh, the cheerleaders was hilarious. Yeah, I did the cheerleader one. I got them stacked up perfectly. Like mm. a boss. Um, there was one of them where it was like... Fucking oranges. You had to build a house and stuff. And there was like a weird little cuddly toy thing somewhere. Mm. And I didn't put it inside the house. I should have put it in there before. But um, no, nah, it's, a, it's a fun fun little thing. It's a really good game. Yeah, fun little bouncing physics. Not too ridiculous, you know. I can imagine this being done in 3D like 10 years ago and it would be horrible. <laughs> can you imagine it yeah. being done like if this is a PS2 era game and it'd be like 3D Lemons where you've taken an idea that works really well in 2D and turned it into some 3D nightmare where mm. just everything will topple all over the place. God, that would be awful. Yeah. But um, no, nah, just cheap little fun game. Who's it made Howl? Was it made by Howl? Yeah. Sure it's made by Howl. Yeah. Make good the makers stuff. of Pokemon. Yeah, no, it's Game Freak make Pokemon. You fool. The makers of Kirby. Yeah, that's it. And Ghostbusters 2, but only in Europe. New Ghostbusters too, Japan and Europe. Japan and Europe. Yeah, I've got that. So do I on Game Boy. Yeah, I've got the no, I've got the NES one. I've got it boxed on Game Boy, Japanese oh. version. They have tiny boxes. Yeah, they they all Yeah. They weren't they weren't wasting. They didn't time. come with plastic cases either. No. Clever. They got ripped off in Japan. She got the plastic cases. But they take care of their boxes there, we don't. Yeah. Like any box Game Boy or SNES game is worth a bomb nowadays because just keeping those boxes in good condition is like 90% of the value for them. Mm. Again, I was looking up the prices for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game for the video I'm making, and I was like, oh, 10, 15 quid for the car on its own, boxed 50 to 70. Mm. Just Jesus. But anyway, part-time UFO, stick it in your bum hole. Stick it in your bum, stick it in your bum, stick it in your bum, 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 bum hole. Maybe if you bent over the right way, it could extract poo. Maybe, maybe. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about another thing. Talk towards the mic, that'd be helpful. I'm going to talk about another thing. That's a shout. I'm going to talk about another thing. I watched a series, not a spooky series, not particularly, unless you find the harrowing truth of marriage and the difficulties of staying in love. No, you watched Married with Children. No, no, I didn't. I wish I did. Mm. I watched Ted Lasso, the Apple TV, um, Apple TV program starring Jason Sudeikis. <sighs> no, no. Jason Sudeikis plays an American football coach who's hired by an English football team to uh, to come over and coach the team because they're on a losing streak and their coach is a sexist, racist arsehole, so they get rid of him. Um, yeah. I mean, simply, I should probably probably actually talk about it properly. Um, yeah, you should. So try. Ted Lasso is hired to take over an English football team after a messy divorce has meant that the wife, who has no interest in the football team, is uh, is now in charge. She decides that she wants to jeopardise it 
in a way that seems quite public so she can still make some money from it but then overall actually destroy the club she does this by um, by hiring Ted Lasso who has no experience in football doesn't know the rules of football and has only been How difficult can it be He's only been made famous because he is quite a strange person in the locker room. He sort of dances and he encourages his team to be better people rather than, you know, aiming to win games. He sort of wants to improve their lives. Um, and has just this unbelievably, um, unbelievably, what, infinite, infinite positive energy in everything that he does. And that comes through in the series. And he, he's very likable. Jason Sudeck has helped write the series. And I think that that's, part of the key to the whole thing is they make him very likable often the English people in it are treated as more hostile than they would be but I've met my fair share of football fans and I know they do call people wankers and they're quite upfront about their love of their football clubs and you know any change my favourite thing football fans do is when they talk about their football club as if they're in the team I love that shit it makes me laugh so fucking much yeah we did this yeah yeah, so we won a game on Sunday didn't we no you didn't you play football you didn't win a game your football team did um so if I was talking about Hulk Hogan winning the World Championship, yeah, I won the World Championship at the so weekend. So you were the one who said those racist things on the phone yeah, yeah. and yeah. friend his wife. No, not then. And then ate someone else. too much pork. <laughs> it was Bob the Love Sponge. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, so so there is a lot of like, they say wanker a lot, which is quite funny. The yeah, football, Americans find that hilarious. I find it quite funny when people, because it's, it's kids as well, call him a wanker. <laughs> they call him a wanker. I hate when they get British people to say twat wrong. Because yeah, Americans they don't say, say twat. twat. Yeah, Americans say twat. What's no, they that? say twat in this. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people saying fuck. There's a lot of swearing. Like, they don't really... It's not really toned down at all. Like, they seem to get the aspects of, like, the personalities and stuff right. But the football is... They get the football quite wrong. <laughs> but I think that, like, that's a minor thing because a lot of the... how football works. you got, like, the round football court. Yeah. And you get two points when you're close and three points when you're further away. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, well, depending, you can get one point if you're really close. Yeah, the referee all, gives you a kiss. This is when, all accurate. Yeah. Describe the off, offside rule. Um, the offside rule, like every now and again, one half of the court in any direction is now offside and you have to get off it before the time runs out. Oh, so it's not the rule that the striker can't advance past the, the, the defence of the front line. They have to... No? That sounds terrible. <laughs> like, no, no. This part of the court is not allowed to be in. You have to get out of there. <laughs> all right. Before, yeah. Okay. Um, and if you want, you can just turn on future sports mode at any time. But yeah, so Ted Lasso is a great character. He's a great creation. And the whole idea of someone just being so overwhelmingly positive, they sort of rub off on this team that are struggling to maintain their position. They're in, they're in sort of, they're in line to be relegated next season. So they got sort of go out of the premiership and they fall into, I think, what division would it be after premiership? Sounds very similar to Mike Bassett, England football manager. That's basically kind of what it's like. Yeah. Um, but 10 episodes, flies by, it's half an hour per episode. Um, there's a little bit more depth to it than that. At one point, you discover that Ted took the job because his wife asked for some time so that they could, you know, some some distance so that she could just have some space, some breathing space. Because apparently, like, she's been... Took sh- it a bit too literally. No, she's been struggling with his own overwhelmingly positive attitude and he was only going to be over there for the season, which is like three to four months, maybe six months. Um, and oh, How long? You God. play, you, well, you train before you start the actual season. That seems a anyway, couple of weeks. So, yeah, so he was planning to, like, sort of flip between America and the UK, but at the same time, he was gonna, he was gonna try and, like, speak to her every day and all this other stuff. But it turns out that she's sort of struggling to be as overwhelmingly positive. And in quite a, quite a heartbreaking scene, she says that she, 
she wants to keep trying because she thinks that one day she'll wake up and feel the same way she did when they just before they got married and then in the beginning of their marriage and stuff like that. And he he basically has to make the decision like because a lot of what he does is selfless. He's just like one of those people. So his decision is that like he says to her is you know I don't want you to keep trying and keep exhausting yourself and make your life all about you trying to be in love with someone. You should just be in love with someone. Do you think that this is over for you? And they end up getting divorced, which takes a weird turn. Like, there's a weird thing about... Sounds hilarious. Yeah. Um, (coughs) There's a weird thing with sitcoms, but they don't really write the female characters very well. What happened to divorce comedies? That used to be a thing. What did happen to divorce comedies? People stopped getting divorced, really. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So there was like, there was this yeah that's true they stopped getting married stopped having kids yeah. uh, it's now married but no it's it's unmarried but happy that'd mm. be the married with children for our day um, yeah the, it's really weird so after that episode she sort of starts just pushing him for the paperwork and all the divorce stuff like she has a lawyer and she's like chasing him to sign the documents and stuff and it's only a couple of episodes after he's said to her do you want to get a divorce and obviously like. He didn't want a divorce. <laughs> you know, he did it for her good and he's willing to do that. But the fact that, like, you know, he said that and then suddenly she's like, sign the paperwork, sign the paperwork, sign... Like, that seems so fucking awful. Like, from a human standpoint, you'd be like, look, we don't need to do the paperwork yet. Let's both take some time and then we'll make this official later on. But yeah, for all intensive purposes, we'll say it's over. Like, that's... That's what you do as a human being, right? Yeah, she's waiting until he's won the Premier League or something. <laughs> um, spoilers, they do not. They get relegated. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, other than that, the mechanics, like, like I was saying, the players are all really interesting and funny. Like, some of them don't get much play. They've got, like, a, they've got a guy who is a sub from Mexico who was injured when he came over and no one's seen him play because the old manager was fired before he actually joined the team. You can't have a sub without a Dom. You need to. <laughs> So they get the guy in to come and play, and he is just so... He's like Ted, but he's like Ted without any purpose. Wait, the teddy bear? Ted Lasso, like the main oh, character. not yeah. Ted from Ted. No, not Ted from Ted. No. But he's he's super positive, super positive. He comes out, he's literally like saying his name and like goes, football is life, football is life. Could you tell me to do it? I'll do it, coach. And like the other guy is like, the fuck is this positive twat about? <laughs> like, it's all right. Anyone who's got an ego like that, Usually they're dog shit on the pitch, and then he's like doing like one ups and stuff, and like he's kicking the ball, like hitting goals and shit like that, and he's just fucking amazing. And the guy, this guy named Roy Kent, who's like the older player who's like fading, like his it's his last club, and he's probably not going to be playing after that season. Mm. He comes along and he goes, "Oh God, you know what? Like it looks like he's actually really fucking good at football, doesn't it? All right, so I'm going out and playing." And <laughs> just walks up. <laughs> it's just it's shit like that that just makes me laugh and it is it is like I said it's hard not to be it's hard not to enjoy something that has a character that's so overwhelmingly positive it's a bit sad that like that divorce stuff is like a barrage at the end and it feels like maybe they were trying to give it some sort of emotional because I think that maybe the first part was written and intended to be like a first season and maybe be longer mm. and then the divorce was going to be the second season stuff but because no, it's him not wanting to let go just yet because he didn't intend for it to happen yeah um, it's him being not so selfless for once yeah. yeah yeah that's character arc stuff yeah but um, he's learning to take care of himself yeah yeah that's true yeah um, but yeah all in all I really enjoyed it um, when's Jason Sudeck is going to play a bastard he already has I think Colossal Colossal and halfway. 
Have you not seen that? No, why would I have watched that? Oh, right. So oh, as, yeah, the yeah, giant yeah. thing. She yeah. finds out that she controls a kaiju, and it turns yeah. out it's because they were both struck by lightning when they were kids, and he controls a robot That's kaiju. That's not how you take control of a kaiju. Well, the kaiju doesn't exist. It's her own self-deprecating lifestyle and development as a person and an adult. This thing has grown over time. But it turns out that Jason Sudeikis also had a similar thing, but it was a robot, and because he never really went back to the playground after what happened. But yeah, he's an abusive prick, like... It's a really fucking good film. A lot of people don't don't they haven't seen that film. Dan Stevens is in it as well. Only no one saw it because it didn't really come out anywhere. It was just like no, that's true. It's true. It's like here's an obscure streaming service you can watch it on. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, but yeah, like it was. It's probably on fucking Shudder or some shit. Like I said, it was. It's overwhelmingly positive, and it's hard not to get stuck up in the. It's hard to not not get stuck into the whole. The whole energy of it. Like, the positivity. And also the characters, they are quite lovable. Like, you want everyone to sort of do well. You want everyone to succeed. Even, like, even the woman who initially sets out to to jeopardise the team and jeopardise Ted, despite bringing him over to the country, she falls in. She falls into the whole... She gets on board with everything. Yeah. Like, there's a point where she admits what she did and <coughs> why she did it. And, uh, and, like, you know, he forgives her. He just says, like, look, whatever your intentions were, we're here now and we're in this together and we're looking after each other. Let's let's not let the past define what, what our future is. And so they're just like, we're friends, we'll do this. There's, which is really weird. Like, I kept thinking there was going to be a romantic subplot between him and one of the other characters. There is, like, one romantic incident. He just has a one-night stand with one of her friends. But it sort of just happens because he's having panic attacks, he's drinking too much, and it's just sort of... It's sort of his... Um, the fallback from the from the um, divorce stuff. No. In a great scene, actually, he, he basically is like, they decide, they have like, before they play the game, they're like, all right, boys, you've got a choice. It's movie night or sleepover. Because they've rented out like a massive suite in the hotel. No, and they pick movie night. They're like, fuck off, am I sleeping in the same room as you? It's movie night. And he's like, okay, we're watching The Iron Giant. And they were sitting there. And, and he goes... I'm going to dismiss myself. Like I'm, I've got to go take care of like some, some contracts and stuff. And the, the other coach is like, yeah, no, go do it. And it's like, be careful with these boys. In about 40 minutes, 50 minutes, there is going to be a flood of tears coming out. And he's, he's like, coach, I'm going to be crying too much to care. <laughs> like that. And he leaves. And it cuts back to them all later. And it's the line where he goes, I'm Superman. <laughs> and you see all the guys fucking booing it. And it's, it's just, it's all, and even the, like the guy who's trying to pretend he doesn't, is like going like, <sighs> that's <laughs> it's just a movie um, someone gets knighted there's a really good 20 night. years time you can do that again but play Bumblebee instead oh yeah that's true yeah. I'm Bumblebee <laughs> no you, you play Revenge of the Fallen <laughs> Revenge of the Fallen wait which was the one where he dominated the Dinobots in oh, some, was, yeah, some yeah, yeah it's um, Age of Extinction oh, thank you um, but yeah Ted Lasso overwhelmingly positive it's not in all honesty like I don't even know if it's getting a second season actually uh, but if it does, I'll be watching it because I've really enjoyed this. Like, because you love football. I, I mean, I don't mind football. I don't mind watching football. I just get pissed off when you watch Premier League football and people pretend to fall over all the fucking time. Oh, a bunch of pansies. It's not even that they're pansies. Bunch it's just, of softies. Like, they know what they're doing and it kind of ruins it. That's why I watch rugby more than I watch football nowadays. But yeah, I used to love playing football when I was a kid and I fucking, I love films about football. Just watch a real sport. I like... Speedball too. <laughs> Deluxe. I have, I genuinely have quite a soft spot for like football movies and biopics. Like, I love, I unironically love Escape to Victory and no, also Mean Machine. 
Like I think those two. Dream Machine, the prison one. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, with um, Vinnie Jones. Yeah, Vinnie Jones and Danny, Danny Dyer. Dyer. Yeah. Jason Statham. Speaking of Jason Statham, yeah, he plays the monk, the the guy and girl. Has one of the best scenes of the whole film. It's like, monk, where the fuck was your head at, mate? And he goes, he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you see what he was thinking about? He's just thinking about kicking people in the fucking face <laughs> and kicking people in the fucking balls and breaking someone's leg. Um, oh, Omni. Jalili a fan of the show <laughs> he's in it as well <laughs> I should put that on my Twitter bio shouldn't I no. rate a C minus <laughs> no you shouldn't, shouldn't. Uh, anyway yeah uh, Ted Lasso such a specific audience I don't know if it's going to find anyone but it's a Matthew McConaughey because I enjoyed it your view Ant Oh, um, I played Transformers Battlegrounds. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, I got it. Wait, that's the new one, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically XCOM with Transformers. Yeah. Um, weirdly based, clearly based on Transformers Cyberverse, but doesn't have any of the music from Cyberverse. That's so the same voice actors, but so it does Cyberverse doesn't appear anywhere in the titles, and it doesn't play the Cyberverse theme. It doesn't even have a Transformers theme, as far as I can tell. Oh. But it's clearly based on Transformers Cyberverse. I think they're just going for a generic Transformers game. It looks like Cyberverse. Yeah. And sounds like Cyberverse oh, because the characters are in it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's all oh, right. Transformers Battlegrounds, you yeah, mean? I said, Devastation, you said. I said Transformers Battlegrounds. No, you said Devastation. I said Battlegrounds. Devastation's the other one, isn't it? The uh, third he's person. He's got one. the ability to edit the audio, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Battlegrounds. Look, guys, fake news. This is all fake news. Yeah, but Battleground, it's... Well, it works on the Series X. That's yeah. good. Yeah, they tell you now on the game cases. Jesus. But, um, yeah, it's basically, it is XCOM. It's like, defaults to an easy mode, so it is aimed at kids and stuff. But, um, and it doesn't, like, go as hardcore in-depth as um, XCOM. Not even as in-depth as, like, Mario plus Rabbids, which is, I mean, that game is literally XCOM with Mario. Yeah. Um. But this one, it, like, it doesn't have half height cover or anything. It's literally you're in cover, you're not, and there's no percentage chance to hit someone. It's like if you aim at someone, you're going to hit them, and you're going to do this much How damage. How many robots did you? Uh... But um, I've only unlocked like five of them. I know Optimus is in there, but I think that's it. I think there's only six in total. You okay. only ever have squads of three. Um, and you'll play. You're sort of basically the commander, and you're like a random human who was caught in the battle. Yeah. And Teletran One, Teletran X, who's like a little floating orb thing inside first. He's like a floating version of the Teletran computer. He picks you up and carries you around above the battlefield to give the orders. And the Transformers are just constantly like, why have you got a human there? And he's like, oh, he's our uh, tactical officer. And it's like, okay, cool. And he's like, I'm just going to fly 40 foot in the air with this human dangling from me. Yeah, acceptable. Yeah. Um, but no, there's, there's little things in there, like neat little additions to the sort of gameplay mechanics. Like you have super moves, you have a power bar that builds up if you end your turns early or when you do certain moves it'll always build up each turn but if you end a turn early you get a bit more on the bar and characters will have stuff like wheeljack will drive down a path and just bombard everyone with grenades but you've got to be careful because it might hit your teammates or something um but yeah it's it's really straightforward simple stuff you can you know decide what moves you have and what loadouts you have it's you know like you have different classes like scouts do they have the overwatch mode like from you know XCOM, when someone walks out in their path, they'll shoot them automatically. I don't suggest having all your scouts having that, because it does mean that you're basically relying on it for a lot of your attacks. Yeah. But then there's good stuff like certain moves will knock enemies back. Like Windblade, she can blast a load of her, she uses the turbines on her shoulders, the jet turbines, to blast enemies across an area. 
But like if they smack into a wall, they'll take damage. If they smack into another enemy, they'll take damage. If there's a car and it hits something, it'll blow up and damage them. Um, and all those special moves, they have like three stages of power. Mm. So you do a simple version. And usually the more powerful it is, the less chance you have to move into position. So it might be that the, the biggest stage one you can't walk with at the same time. And like your movement and all that sort of stuff. It's like in XCOM, you know, you can usually move one set of spaces, move like a short distance and shoot, or move a long distance and not shoot. And in this, it's like you have three sort of turn meters. It's a bit more like Valkyrie Chronicles, I guess. Yeah. Um, And you can move a short distance, you can move a long distance, you can almost always take a shot, but like your most powerful moves will take up all three of those turn, you know, turn actions in a turn. So you might be able to move to like a long distance to get near something and then do a sort of semi-powerful move. So it's like, it's nicely balanced out. It's perfectly fine for kids. I'd like to see how difficult it gets though, because on easy, it's like, it's easy, it's dead easy on easy. It's not as challenging as like XCOM or Mario plus Rabbids, but I could see it being more difficult. There's stages where like you have to get to a certain destination and it will drop more enemies in as you go. Um, and one of them, it was telling me you can't defeat all the enemies, so make it to the exit. I wiped them all out. <laughs> I was basically waiting for them to drop down as I was travelling through the area. Um, but no, it's definitely like a fine, simple game. There's some frame rate issues when you do super moves for some reason, which seems a bit silly on Xbox One X. Mm. Um, but from what I understand, it is running a full 4K on Xbox One X. Like, oh, so it's not even like... Um... Yeah, it's not It's not HDR, but it's like it's, it does... Like when you do the super moves, it for some reason just slows down a little bit. Like frame rate visibly skips a whole bunch, um, you know, and you wouldn't expect it to be a, that, you know, challenging a game for the system. I'm guessing it's probably something to do with streaming data or something. Who knows? Some technical gubbins that I don't understand. Um, but no, it's, it's a fine game. Story's very light. It's very fun and cartoony, and you know, it sort of seems to be fitting in the first and second series of Cyberverse because the, I mean, it might go later. I've gone through a few stages of it, like. I haven't got to the end of the game yet, but maybe later on you end up with some more characters. I don't know. I think there's only six, though, because you have, like, Bumblebee, Windblade at the start, Grimlock joins you pretty early on, then you get RC and Wheeljack, and Optimus Prime, obviously, later. Mm. And I can't think who else they would chuck in there without going into later season characters and stuff, like chucking in uh, Hot Rod and stuff. But, yeah, it's all right. Simple multiplayer, simple upgrade stuff. Yeah. Just very like basic, simple, perfect. If you want to get kids playing strategy game, that's the sort of thing. It'll work fine. Mario Plus Rabbids would be better if like if you got a Switch, I'd get Mario Plus Rabbids instead. Mm. Especially because Ubisoft knocked that down to like ten quid all the time. Yeah, it's a really cheap game yeah. right now. It's like seven pounds. But that was like thirty quid. Yeah. From Smith's. Like no, that's not too bad. Smiths sell games like at yeah. really low prices. Yeah, you can. Um, um, and where is the Smiths you went to? Went to yeah, yeah. But um, I was in there, and they had like the Monster Hunter World game for like ten quid, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skate for twenty five. Like, yeah, all nice and cheap. Like, they sell. They they have like basically they have a very short, short shelf life there because they only have a chart sort of thing. No, so quite they, a few. Yeah, yeah I know, but they really cycle the chart, and then the games that cycle yeah. out of the chart, they go down. They drop down to really cheap. Like there was yeah. something Breath of the Wild at one point for a tenner. Yeah, because it was just like. But no, Smith's is good. Quite like that shop. Yeah. It's better than the Entertainer, that's for sure. The yeah, Entertainer's kind of dog shit. Yeah, that's too, they're always too small. And they've got nothing in there. And there's never never a layout to me. Like, mm. when they arrange stuff, they just chuck Transformers and Power Rangers together and it's all mixed up. Like, 
do a couple of shelves of Transformers and a couple of shelves of Power Rangers. Don't just mix them all over the place. Yeah, but you got to remember, they've got, like, merchandisers that will... Yeah, but I used to help. merchandise the hell out of Yeah, stuff. but they've got, like, national merchandisers that will say, like, this is where we put this stuff. And it'll probably be by gender rather than anything No, else. no, I'm talking on one block of shelves. They'll have Power Rangers and Transformers on the same block of shelves. And it'll be, like, a small Power Ranger toy, then three Transformer toys, then another Power Ranger toy like halfway across the road and then on the road below there'll be like nothing but Power Rangers but then you'll get like a spotty random mixture on the road below yeah what I'm saying is that two shelves of Power there's Rangers probably someone who's just saying that's the order you put the shit in. nah this yeah. can't be this terrible order let me merchandise it because yeah, it's the same with most of the I'll shops. sort you out I'll sort them out the only stuff they seem to put in like a proper category are um, like kids toys Do you know like the like young kid toys because they have like a shelf for like shitty ones <coughs> the Smiths is good quite like them they, had, um, they get some of the Transformer figures that are um, more obscure there's Aliens figures out yeah I didn't even realise there was like a range of Alien toys out and they seem to be aimed at younger kids than the ones I had like they're all like big chunky figures with like brightly coloured aliens yeah like 10 quid for a set that had an alien a power loader and a marine in it like, that's pretty decent they're the 6 yeah. inch figures yeah, like not even that. I don't think like three and a half, four inch figures. Oh, the Imaginex style yeah. ones, yeah. But um, but they had like an Alien Queen figure that was like a big old chunky thing, bright purple. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a but, few of them. Um, I haven't bought any of that stuff because I was looking at for kids. I'm looking, I'm looking at potentially getting some of the. You remember I was talking to you about Mar- not mask. What was the um, wrestling one? The weird little six inch strength or whatever it was, or not six inch, two inch figures. You know, oh, the military rebels. muscle men. Yeah, muscle. You yeah. know, um. They did like a Mountain range of muscle. They did a range of like alien ones. Yeah, like a limited run. Yeah, I don't count them as muscle. No, no, they're not muscle. They're like they're all properly like um, properly like um, merchandised as alien stuff. I was thinking mm. about getting some of those because they go down a price quite often. Mm. No, I saw they did He Man ones of them as well. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, they yeah. did like a whole series of He Man ones. Yeah, I think there were twenty four figures. Weren't they? They're not wrestlers. No, they're not. Not right. No, well, muscle. Weren't a big thing in the UK anyway, were they? No, but when I was a kid, they were big. Really? Yeah, when I was a kid, they were all over the place. Before Monster in My Pocket, that was the collectible I rubber figure. Monster in My Pocket. Yeah, Muscles be- Muscle predates Monster in My Pocket by oh, like yeah. 10 years. Yeah, I know. Like, but Monster in My Pocket made deals with cereal companies and they got... Yeah, they got of, everywhere. Yeah. But Muscle was like... I remember when I was a kid, because you... They're all just like these beige little rubber figures and you'd find them lying around streets all over the place because kids would just drop them and leave yeah. Yeah, I remember. Because they're only like, what, 20p ago? We had no idea. they Because they were called military muscle men here. They were named after... They were supposed to be like action heroes and all this sort of stuff. They weren't wrestlers as far as the merchandising and the like, promotion went. But they were the same figures? Yeah, same figures in Japan. Oh. But the figures... But the wrestlers in muscle are not... Like, there's only a handful that look like wrestlers. Huh. Half of them are like friggin' a block of cheese or some shit. Or, you know, one of them is a friggin' knight like from a chessboard like, yeah or ramen man <laughs> you know there's a oh, what there's a walrus wally tusket i've got a fucking gripe to go through with you why don't yeah. you buy those awesome why are there some why don't you buy those awesome fucking transformers the food ones the little what? ones the ones what? that come in like the gachapon style pods what? what the ones i sent you the link for no oh, well, bot bots no because yeah. i only want one bot bot and you're not going to get one in a random assortment you might do no I'll find a package that has the one bot bot I want in You'll it and I'll like buy that tenner. pack. Yeah, and then I'll throw the others away. Because <laughs> I just want Steve from accounting. <laughs> it's a stapler, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, he's called Steve from accounting. Yeah. We'll have a transform called Steve. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. All right. Yeah. Your last review? 
I think so. Yeah. God, yeah. Thank okay. God. Jeez. All right. Uh, I played uh, I played a video game. Got given a code for a video game. Mm. You're going to have to keep saying that every time it happens. I got given a code for another game that's kind of like a game that I just reviewed, Blair Witch, but it's not Blair Witch. That's right. It's Amnesia Rebirth. Yeah. That new walking simulator spook em up game. A um, little bit of background on the Amnesia series. Have you played any of them? No. You didn't play any of the Amnesia games? What my sort of game is it? All right. I guess not. Racist. I don't do horror games and stuff. Uh, <laughs> so Amnesia The Dark Descent was the first one. It's pretty simple. You're in a place. It turns out you're a writer. There's a bunch of spook ups You've got to avoid them. You make your way through an environment. Solving some puzzles. Some limited puzzling elements there. Uh, Machine for Pigs was essentially a walking simulator. Um... Is that the one where you have the naked guys walking around? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think so. Um, and then this one, uh, this one again, it's it's not based in modern day. It's based in the past. It's a set around. It seems about forty nineteen forties nineteen fifties. You play a woman who is in a plane crash. A group of people survive, including her husband. And you wake up from a wake up one day, and you find that everybody's missing. And you start going to look for them and you end up travelling and traversing through a cave that at first appears to be just a normal cave and then it turns out it's something much deeper and much more dark and then you have to use matches and oil to try and light your way because if you stay in the dark too long you start going nuts. It's heavily in... in it's heavily in... Uh, you get a lot of hints towards mental illness and such and there is some documentation that backs that up. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a game, I guess. I'm not a big fan of walking simulators and this horror style stuff, cause it just, I don't think, it doesn't feel natural to like, cause a lot of the stuff seems scripted, even when it's not scripted. I think that was kind of one of the things that, that worked in the favour of like Resident, Resident Evil 7. I know, I know it's a different scale of game because Amnesia Rebirth, even though, even though it is a fairly high budget title, it's still a small team and it's not really got the capacity that Capcom does or the, or the production time, I guess. I don't know how long it's been in production. Um, but like Resident Evil 7, when you're in that house, contextually, there are several different outcomes to any, any specific instance of I meeting. Found out there's a chainsaw fight in that game. Yeah, yeah. Did you not know? No, that's awesome. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, but there's like scenes where you're being chased and if you if you say you try and escape by going into a room and hiding in a room, yeah. sometimes they'll go through the, the wall, they'll just chainsaw through the wall and come after you. Jeez, sometimes they'll go through the door depending on where they are when you get through the door. Mm. And sometimes they'll just like if you just manage to get out through like say a little gap or you find a way around, they'll just start stomping around after you. It's like a nice little natural context to any response you have to a threat, you know? Whereas in this, it's like, oh, look, there it is. It's going past. Because you've got like, these weird monstery things. And it's like, oh, there it is. It's going past. And you just sort of duck and you're like, and then it's gone past. Doody Doos is reserved for car wheels. Oh, sorry. There's like, there's a nice, there are some nice story elements to it, but it's, it really is one of those games that I think if you ran through it and regardless of what ending you got once you were done, you wouldn't really play through the whole campaign because it's quite a long campaign. It's like eight hours, six hours. I don't even know how long I was playing it for. Weeks. Time's lost all meaning. 
It's 2021 now, man. Oh, God! Yeah. Is Biden still president? It's Biden Jr. Jr. <laughs> it's 2121. Actually... 21-21. <laughs> I got frozen again. Yeah. No, I've actually leapt. Oh. Quantum leapt. Quantum leaped. <laughs> Quantum leapt. Oh. Past tense. <laughs> going the wrong direction. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, I found it interesting enough, but it's really, these really aren't my cup of tea, these games. I think that... Really? You play nothing but first-person horror games? I seem to, don't I? Yeah. How's that keep happening? You're just trying to copy me when I say I don't like these games. No, like, I I mostly play, right now... The only most... first-person horror game I've enjoyed is freaking Alien Isolation. That's yeah, so good, And I got to a bit where it went getting this air vent, and I was like, no, off. Not playing Did you anymore. Not complete it. No, because it told me to go in an air vent, and I saw what happened to Dallas. I am not going in that air vent. Jesus Christ, Dan. that was a really good ending. I did not game. need any well, aliens throwing you, jazz hands at how me. How far did you get? How many hours into the game did you get? Uh, I don't know, six, seven hours. Jesus, that's not that's not even close to the end game. Maybe I don't know. I beat up some of those android things. I There's, fucking love fighting. I opened those. a shitload of doors. If they could give me a game where I just open the doors constantly, yeah. I would be having a ball. One of the things about Alien Isolation is that really is like. That was next gen. Ninety percent of the game is opening doors. That was next gen graphics in 2016 that ran smoothly on everything that was on, and just looked phenomenal. Oh, except mm. actually, apparently there were like issues with the PS4 version. Yeah, not much. So it was um, yeah. some aliasing thing that was going. Oh, okay, but yeah, like yeah, that even game. The Xbox 360 version looks great. Yeah, right. it's a fucking ridiculously good looking game. Mm. Like I remember going on PC and I was like, you know, I had my was it 750 Ti, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I started up and said 4K. That's what resolution you're playing is at, and I was like. No, no, <laughs> I've only got a 1080p TV. And when I finally got my 4K TV and the new graphics card, no, I got my new graphics card. Yeah. And for some reason, it defaulted everything to 30 hertz. Yeah. For some reason, I think and it actually, turns out Alien Isolation runs at half speed when you do that. Wasn't Alien Isolation? Um, wasn't it one of those ones that was locked for a long time at 30? No, it was always 60 frames per second on PC. But um. Yeah, my, my graphics card just locked itself in the settings to 30 hertz. I was trying to figure out for weeks why everything looked blurry. Yeah. Why things, and I was played Alien Isolation, and the game ran at half the speed it was supposed to. Ah, uh, and then you were... I was like, hang on a sec. Yeah. I was trying to walk through things. Like, why does it feel like I'm walking through sludge? That game, though. When you first encounter those androids and those eyes that are like bulbs. Mm. They're barely bulbs. They're little LEDs. It's like literally like little... Like the shitty LEDs you'd get in 1970s yeah. toy or something. That's what they've got for their eyes because the game design, the art design in that game is phenomenal. It's just the way that they they have like the pattern. You can see the plastic pattern and the way they light. Oh, it's great. Mm. Um, but anyway, I was talking about amnesia. Well, so, you know, amnesia is. I think forgot. This, I think this is the kind of game that you forgot what you were talking uh, no, about. No, I think this is the kind of game that some <laughs> you got amnesia. <laughs> yeah, Do you see. Ah! Um, Do you see? I think this is the kind of game that if you're a fan of this type of game, it's more of that. Um, there was like in the beginning, there's a nice mechanic where you're like. You're walking through the desert and you start hearing this weird sizzling noise if you're in the sun too much, where it's just like burning you alive essentially. Oh, nice! And you get into shade and it stops. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's a mechanic that's probably going to come back. It's training me to avoid the sun." I was like, "Nope, nope, nope." Just sound effects. Gone after the first 10, 15 minutes. So first person horror should be brought back. What? Condemned. Yes. Do a VR condemned. More based on the first one than the second one, because the first one, the whole crime scene stuff was pretty cool. Do that in VR. Yeah, that'd be that'd really fun. Oh, the swinging mechanics. Plus, that game used lots of... Um, Boom! Boom! That game used a lot of surround sound stuff. Yeah. With the audio. Yeah. 
Some yeah. really clever shit with digital camera stuff and things yeah. like that. Second one less so, but the second one, the second one's more like a like an add-on anyway. It's not very long, and it's more like a curio because it just goes full sci-fi nut jobbiness. Yeah, because at one point, don't you get your bones perforated so you can make a noise? Really? Yeah. So the first one, you're a detective who's searching for a serial killer who has been like butchering people and hiding their bodies around places like public Does places. someone making a game here that you can blow through a skull and make it make a noise the animal would make and so no 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 no, no. <laughs> so the second one the second one like it says like oh you weren't affected by xyz because you were prophesized and like you've got weird bones or weird muscle or some shit and so you have the ability to fight against these things that are like cursed humans who are humans tortured to the point where they should die but they continue to live and they have this power to make this not it's just it goes utter fucking mental they should make a new Dead Space game shouldn't they yes when are going to get Dead Space 3 oh, don't say that there was a Dead Space no, 3 no it wasn't bad no that, you're thinking of the Wii game <laughs> you're thinking of the Light Gun that was actually really good that game it was, that was a remake of the first game but Light Gun no it wasn't it's a side story was it? Yeah. yeah it's a side story it's a different you meet the person or you find the person you're playing as no Okay, so you've got, it goes first game, then the mobile game, and then in the sequel to the first game, Dead Space 2, you find the body of the woman from the mobile game. And then the 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 Wii game is like the story of someone that you meet in the third game, or is the story of the mental patient in the second game? I can't remember, it's one or the other. But then the actual, the main story in the third game had two, two add-ons. There was one add-on to the second game. The second game add-on was... Another woman that you play as where you're trying to track something down. And then the add-on to the third game, you go and you fight the planet that the... The planet? Yeah, there's like a planet that's controlling everything. Oh. It's like a meteor that's controlling everything. You fight it. Um, it got really stupid. Oh, no, the third that's game going wasn't too far, very good. having a planet-sized villain. The third game wasn't very good. There wasn't a third game. That sequel, that second one, though, is fucking phenomenal. It's probably one of the best games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. It has it's that sequence at the beginning where the guy's like the guy's like come with me Isaac I'll save you and then immediately gets a fucking knife through the throat no. and then and then Isaac's running and then someone goes I'm going to let you through Isaac but I want you to tell them tell them you did this and then he takes a scalpel and jabs it in his neck and he's like ah drags it across his throat it's like, I can remember I remember after playing that I went into school and I was speaking to my friend in school and I was like I was school. Like, yeah, like 2006. No, it was when I was working at Gala. It was with Tom Brown. No, it must have been school. It must have been school. Dead, Rising 2, Dead Space 2 didn't come out to like 2009. 2008. 2007. It can't be that early. 2006. The first one only came out when I worked at EA and that was 2007. So when was I... We worked with Tom Brown together at Gala, didn't we? Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I went to school with him and I can remember... To- was it that or was it something else? I don't know, man. But no, I can Before remember just making all sorts we, of stuff. We right? had this joke where we were just basically you talking about it. school in the two thousands. I was well, two thousand was when I went to secondary school. Jesus Christ, disgusting. I'm thirty two. Fucking I'm disgusting. Old man, I know. Fucking so old. Um, but yeah, no, we used to make the joke that the amount of commitment it would take, because as soon as you jab it in your throat, you've got to start regretting your decision. <laughs> To have the commitment, to have the call to keep going. Like, we kept saying he's the... Scalpels don't slice like that. Scalpel could slice the surface area easily, but actually straighten your throat, you wouldn't be able to drag it through. If you had to jam it in your neck and then you use all of your strength to just Mm. scrape it through... you get stuck on your windpipe. You'd have a very hard time getting through your windpipe. Well, that guy was committed. It could have been a space scalpel. 
Maybe, maybe. As a scalpel. She's got one of Isaac's things. Oh, well, the plasma car. <laughs> it takes the front of his face off like in Battle Angel Alita. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Amnesia Amnesia Rebirth. It, like, it looks a lot better than the old ones. It plays a lot better than the old ones. I just, you know, it introduces so much that it doesn't use. and Just all in all, it's fine. It's a good game, I guess. But I'm just... I'm just maybe not into this type of game anymore. Can you try and form sentences without almost throwing up in your mouth? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, I think probably the last game that I played that was close to this was was Outlast 2 and Outlast 2 was good but it had that had that thing where it was like where it was like this is this is borderline just not a game it's kind of like a film more than anything but that sort of had a few more mechanics to play around with throughout of it throughout the uh, runtime. like you you could have sort of semi-boss battles where you could run and you can hide and you could lock doors and they would chase you. Whereas Amnesia has less of that. You're more in open spaces. When you do find areas that you can sort of hide in, you use your... You have a magical compass thing that you shoot at glowing portals and then move stuff out of the way. Yeah, it's meant to be a horror game. It doesn't sound like a horror game. It sounds like a sci-fi game. Um, but yeah, like like I said, I just think maybe, maybe I've grown out of this sort of thing. Maybe I'm just looking for something else from these sort of horror game experiences. Um... Yeah, because this wasn't the only game that I, that I I got that I got well I got a load of codes for GTFO which I've given you one, and I played some of that and that's creepier, because that's got like this mechanic where in certain environments there'll be mist that covers part of the ground, and so you can hear like scuttering and you can hear like noises in the mist, mm-hmm. and they'll move around as you move around so you're like okay I know it's kind of in that direction so I'll avoid that, but then you'll need to go over there to go and get a hard drive so you'll be like. All right, if I get my hammer and I just take a couple of swings, stay above the mist. Yeah, Don't you walk get, into you the get mist. Like mist cleaners and stuff. Something like in the mist. You get mist clearers and stuff. This like is the one game. where um... Thomas Jane shoots his family. Yeah, yeah. Or is that the fog? No, it's the mist. Oh. The fog is the one where Tom Atkins fucks a DJ. Isn't the fog the one where the guy from Smallville, like, is in it? Michael Rosenbaum. No, Tom Welling. Oh, somebody say. He was in. The Fog, the film from the mid-2000s. There's a sex cult trying to steal me. Alice Mack, she's a bad lady. God, that's fucked up, isn't it? The vixen. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but yeah, back to Amnesia the Dark, the Amnesia the Rebirth. <laughs> um, I did, I did buy... I stay on subject for yeah. four seconds, can you? Sorry, sorry. Um, Amnesia yeah. Rebirth. Like, I played it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough that I was curious about going back to the other Amnesia games because I didn't... I played... Like I said, I played the first one. I didn't play Machine for Pigs. And there's a third one as well that I didn't know about. And they were all together £2.50 on the eShop on Switch. <laughs> so I thought, just to just to give Machine for Pigs a go, £2.50 is not bad at all for all three of those games. Mm. So I'm going to give those a go. And see how I feel about those. See if I can get into those. But yeah, all in all, like it's fine. It's just fine. It's just it's not like it's not really. It's not replayable. There's nothing here that seems like it's like oh great. Like I was expecting it to be a bit more interactive. I was expecting to see hints at it being more interactive because the first amnesia was such a big hint with streamers and that's such a big industry now. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to see like maybe just a little bit more randomized something something that could just. Like an element of, of danger to the environments that just wasn't just really there. Just pretend to be scared when you play it. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. 
By the time Pudo probably got so scared that he accidentally put on a KKK uniform. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Started saying those racial slurs because he got scared. It was a gamer moment. Yeah. Like Pro Jared started mm. chatting up little kids because he got scared. Because he got scared. Just another gamer moment. Just man. another gamer moment. And that's just a game theory. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Amnesia Rebirth. If you want to play more Amnesia, this is definitely more Amnesia. Um, I just don't know. Your your level of enjoyment is going to very much hinge on your your tolerance for how that game was and how this game is. But of course, that should go without question when it's a continuation of the series. But yeah, fuck it. I'm going to give it a Sylvester Stallone. Schlocky, but I mean, it won an Oscar. <laughs> for Rambo Last Blood. Yeah. Oh God, that film was bad. Speaking of Rambo Last Blood, is that your last review? No. All right. God, no, I reviewed that weeks ago. Yeah, you did. It was awful. Yep. Um, no, I got the Criterion Show a Godzilla collection. You did say <gasps> that. It's fucking massive. I don't know why you're reviewing this as a whole when each of the films has been individually curated and captured to the ultimate quality to make yeah, it the best, quality, yeah. it best viewing experience possible. Although some of the films, they do dip, because I remember I watched a lot of these films, because I downloaded the copy. Because <laughs> I couldn't afford a £150 Blu-ray box set of Godzilla. Yes, you could. Yeah, I mean, I could. I'm too busy buying consoles. I'm too busy buying packs of Meet Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. That I made all 24 of. Yeah. No, it's, it's a collection by Criterion, and I had to get it because it's the first time like the vast majority of these films have been available in the UK since the VHS era. How many films is it again? 15, but it's also got both the Japanese and American versions of the original film and Godzilla vs. King Kong, or King Kong vs. Godzilla. Nice. Um, Although King Kong vs. Godzilla's Japanese version is like an older, like uh, sort of rougher copy of it, and it's a bonus feature um, on the last disc. Because as far as I'm aware, Universal have like a control in sharing King Kong vs. Godzilla, so that's the version outside of Japan that you always get. Yeah. It was also the only Godzilla film other than the original that had been released outside Japan for you know on DVD in yeah. in the UK at least. Um but no they've done a lovely collection. Like most of the film most of the discs have like two or three films on them. Yeah. Um because there is a period where the show where films get down to like barely an hour like over an hour long. Yeah. So you can fit three of them on one disc. Um and we watched uh, Destroy All Monsters the other day. It's a classic. Mm. Um King Kong vs. Godzilla. I watched that not long ago on DVD in the Blu-ray copy. It looks better, but like these aren't some revolutionary remaster. Like They haven't done full-on dirt clean-up on everything. It's a straight-up... They scan the original prints, so it's a, it's a new scan. I think they did on the original film. The original film got redone years ago. Criterion yeah. and BF... Well, BFI did it and Criterion re-released yeah. it. Um, I've watched that original one multiple times. Yeah, the, it looks yeah, fucking I saw similar. some assholes talking about colourising it and saying, oh yeah, I want Whoa. a colourised version of it. Fuck off. Yeah. And people were like, yeah, about time they did a colourised gods in the fucking... No. 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 God no. They probably want it cropped to widescreen as well, the freaks. Oh. Um no, the original Godzilla's a masterpiece. Like, it is, freaking... it genuinely and it holds up so fucking well yeah. today. Yeah, I've still never seen the American version of it. I've is only it? ever watched the Japanese version ever since I was a kid. I've never seen the Raymond Burr. There's there's an American version. Yeah, the original Godzilla was released with the because you know they had it's the American dubbed, one had all it? that stuff where yeah, it's dubbed, but they also had all the Raymond Burr stuff where he's like some UN reporter guy who's talking about this monster has appeared outside Tokyo and now it's moving into the area. It's like trashing through the streets and stuff. Yeah. Um, same thing they did with King Kong versus Godzilla. The American version's got a bun- got those UN 
correspondence sequences and then like the submarine sequence mm-hmm. and all this that was added in to the US version because um, you know the, I mean King Kong vs Godzilla was partially funded by um, Universal but I've you know I've seen people before complain it hasn't got the a remaster of the original Japanese version on there but that is the first time the Japanese version has been available outside Japan as far as I'm aware mm. of King Kong vs Godzilla um, plus the box that I've got of Godzilla films is missing. It's only got seven, seven or eight films in it. Oh, it's so that weird one. You've got the American, yeah, is it the American one because you couldn't get them in the UK. I had to import them. Um, so this one's got all the films I missed out on that, which was like Destroy All Monsters, um, frigging t- um, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, like Godzilla versus Gigan. So I can sit down and watch all them at some point. Um, lovely artwork the whole way through. It's got this whole pop art thing going on. Yeah, every. They've got different artists for each film to draw things out. And there's like di- there's like biographies of the films and the production of how it was made and everything. Um, yeah, a bunch of extra features with like um, unused um, action sequences where like they filmed monster sequences that didn't end up in the actual film. So you can watch a whole bunch of these deleted scenes. Um, interview with a guy who played Jet Jaguar, <laughs> um, which is pretty rad. There's a new Godzilla anime coming soon. Jet Jaguar's in it. Oh, yeah, the... Um... Yeah, the guy who did uh, what the guy who's um doing the art design on it did. Art Isn't it like a Monster else. Island one? No, no, it's like it's basically it seems to be that it's set in modern day Tokyo and it's like monsters coming to life in the modern setting, like smashing through the ground and stuff. Mm. But you see a jet jaguar there. Um, but no, it's it's a fantastic box set. It's very expensive though. Yeah. Um, but it's bigger than I thought. I was expecting something that was about the size of an annual. Like and it's like twice as big. Well, yeah, I was I was expecting it to be like my Satoshi one, which is like size of a book, mm. and it's just really thick. Cause it is a book. <laughs> that yeah. one is the Satoshi one is like Satoshi. The, yeah, the Blind Samurai. Zatoichi. Zatoichi. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, my book said his films. It was like ten films, and they mispriced it for twenty five quid instead of seventy five. <laughs> so I bought it, like, and I was like, I'm going to watch all of these. I watched the first five, and then you get to the sixth one. And the quality dips so much, I was like, I'm done. That's the thing, a lot of older films don't get kept in good quality. Yeah. But um, Toho did restorations like... That first film. Ten years ago, I think it was. Yeah. They did new scans. They released a new box set in Japan. Um, but we never I, got anything over I would love a Heisei era one, but I think if they're going to do a second box set for Criterion, they would probably roll in the Heisei and Millennium era together. Yeah. Because Heisei is like... Heisei is probably the strongest part of Godzilla. Um, like every film in the Hosei era is like a proper good watch, but it's like seven films. Isn't it like Gadira they recently did the same thing for? No, not Gamera. Gamera? Arrow films have released a Gamera box set. Oh, is it Arrow? Yeah, that's like, it's 150 quid for their one, but they've released, um, that was limited edition thing. They're releasing the two box sets separately as just like the individual, as like the film collections, like the Hosei and Showa era separate. Yeah. But the, um, the big box set they did for 150 had like a full, like had every Gamera manga comic in it. Oh, really? In like a hardback book plus a making of book. Jesus. Like people were like, it's too expensive, 150 quid. But you got the same amount of films as that Godzilla set pretty much. Like, well, less. You got 11. Mm. But you got like two proper thick hardback books with it. Yeah. Like, I can't complain about that. I mean, this one is a hardback book. but It's um, beautiful looking as well. Yeah. Yeah. And all the art in it is great. Yeah. Love it. Still love the first Godzilla film so mm. fucking much. I was trying to figure out how they were going to store the disc in there. And they're literally, the last part of the book opens up and there's like five discs on one side, five discs on the other. Cause it's yeah. like ten Blu-rays. Um, they all like nicely slotted in. And you always get these people going, oh, it's probably going to scratch it. They're fucking Blu-rays. You can yeah. throw a Blu-ray down. You could 
go to a beach that's just stones, throw a blue ray across the beach, pick it up, put it in your PS3, and it'd still work. Yeah, you can't fuck them up, but you have to really work on it. Yeah, you can try. It's a lot of worth, a lot of effort to mess up a Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, not like DVDs where you just look at them funny and they stop working. <laughs> or CDs. Yeah, especially later CDs when they're really getting cheap on the production on them. Yeah, but um, no, it's it's a lovely set. I don't know, like if you want to spend 150 quid on a Godzilla set, I do wish they would release them individually. Like that would be nice if they could just do that. Um, because I think it's ridiculous that in the UK we haven't had the Showa or High Sight or Millennium films. Like, the only Godzilla film since the VHS era to be released in the UK, other than American ones, so other than the 1998 movie and the two most recent ones, was the original film, King Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, Final Wars got a release in 2004-05, thereabouts, but it was one of those budget label releases that no one noticed and it just goes one print run and gone. And Shin Godzilla. And I'm amazed Shin Godzilla is actually easily available. Because I thought that would turn up and disappear. But it's been around long enough now that they've even put it in a second reprint with a different colour box. Because my one's in a black box, isn't it? My copy of Shin Godzilla. And now it comes in a blue box. Because mm. it's just they, they, it's got to the point where it's just like regular release. Um, Shin Godzilla's great. Fantastic film. They're calling this the Ray Warrior now. Shin really? Godzilla's the first one. And those three animated films are classed as the Ray Warrior films. Those three animated films are terrible. Boring, utter shite. But yeah, I'd say if you're a real Godzilla fan, you're going to buy it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, was, I was tempted. I remember we had the discussion like when it was released, what, four or five months ago? November Around... 2019 it came out. God. Because I went looking everywhere for it. <laughs> yeah, because I said that Amazon had it and I was thinking mm. about buying it. Mm. Um, I didn't at the time. I was amazed it got released because not all Criterion stuff gets released here. Yeah. Criterion's like hit and miss as to whether it... Because they've got a whole numbered collection in America. Yeah, how many... James Cameron films are in the Criterion Collection. Oh, four? Yeah, Abyss there's isn't. Two Michael Bay films. Yeah, and I think there's only one James Cameron film in the Criterion Collection, but there's two Michael Bay films. No, because you've got Terminator 2 and you've got Titanic. I'm pretty sure only Terminator 2 is in the Criterion Collection. Really? Yeah, I think so. But Abyss isn't available on Blu-ray, is it, apparently? No. Yeah, no, it's because it's all fucked up rights-wise. Mm. Well, it wasn't available on VHS after the first printing for a while. I had that as a kid. On VHS, yeah. never liked had, Abyss. Had that really nice blue, uh, DVD box set. No one likes The Abyss. It's a good film now. It's just when I was a kid, I watched it. It was boring as shit. I always got it mixed up with Sphere. <laughs> I saw that in cinema. Did you? Yeah. At the end where they pray the alien away. Yeah. Um, no, my brother had the book. My brother, for some reason, really loved it. He got the book and read it and everything. What's... Yeah, I tried reading the book and got bored. So. Um, that Zatoichi, that box set, I'm going to quickly look it up because it's my parents. I'm just going to mumble that away from the camera. Uh, I'm just quickly looking up that Zatuichi Blu-ray box set because I left it at my parents and it's a Criterion one as well. There you go. That's what it looks like. Fucking lovely. Oh, they've got a Lone Wolf and Cub Criterion collection. Oh. I used to be able to get a really nice DVD box set of that and that was like 20 quid. That had like six films in it or something. But anyway... Ooh, that's my some, last review. That's a really nice Godzilla thing. Yeah, you're going to stop looking at the internet? No. Oh, for God's sake. It's fucking... Right, well, see you later. Someone's Bye. Someone's selling it for £100. Yeah, stop. Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. Um, yep, yep. That, so that's 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 episode 147 of Critopocalypse. I've been Matt. You've been Anne. And where can they find you? Of course, they can find you at LV54 Space Monkey on Twitter. They can also find you on YouTube as Mellow Gaming, the most popular Mellow Gaming channel. <laughs> and reacting Sentai Yoppo Ranger. Is that right? Mm. Reacting Sentai Yopper Ranger? Yeah. Uh, did I even pronounce it kind of right? Getting all my videos blocked on there nowadays. Cool. 
Um, and you can find me at Chris Apocalypse on YouTube and Twitter. Um, and are you looking forward to anything coming up in the next few weeks? One of us is going to get pressured into buying a PS5. <laughs> I look forward to maybe getting a job one day. Oh, yeah, that's a point. And recently got fired, so if you know anyone looking for any uh, supple prostitutes, he's available. What do you know about my supple mouth? <laughs> I wasn't talking about your mouth. But uh dun 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 Trump fucks kids. Alright. Done. You don't Bye, need to everyone. attack Trump now. We love we're, you. We're off Trump now. Trump was last year. Man. Boris Johnson Friggin- fucks kids. <laughs> Boris Johnson loves to fuck kids. Uh, Boris Johnson just makes kids for other people. He likes yeah. to fuck kids. Anyway, if you're going to make fun of any politician's kids, you make fun of J- Jacob Rees-Mogg's kids. Jacob Rees-Mogg loves... What was his kids called? To fuck kids. One of his kids is called Sextus. Yeah, like, uh, Jacob fucking... Rees-Mogg is, is a different type of human. Uh, he's not human. He's a fucking alien. He's such a cunt as well. Like, he is an absolute cunt. He's a freaking, like, Skeksis. He's not uh, like, he's just, he's just... Actually, I'd give the Skeksis more credit than Jacob. He's just a cunt. He's just, like, that's the problem. He's not special in any way, shape or form. He was born into money and then took his dad's lessons of fuck everyone over and ruin their lives to make as much money as possible as, like, his life goal. And then he acts like he's, he takes his kids to, like, elocution lessons. They're never going to work. They're never going to work in anything beyond his companies. He tries to bring in these archaic fucking no, rules. They'll into... be politicians in years. Oh, God. There were six of them. Don't right. fucking say that. Anyway, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Love you. Uh, I'm sorry about the state of the world. We'll clear up eventually. No, it won't. Not my responsibility. <laughs>